Hey folks, welcome to the Bear Hunting Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Happy New Year, and uh, we're back. So uh, I want to first and foremost, I want to apologize for the hiatus that we went through there um, last season. I had promised a whole lot of stuff, and I just sort of disappeared. So I apologize for that. We uh, long story short with that. So basically, we uh, I got wrapped up in my own bear hunts, and they were uh, a lot. I had two bear hunts going on, and then I also had the new baby at home and everything, and um, basically we uh, I just ran out of time and something had to give, and uh, this is sort of a hobby for me, so uh, I apologize for that. And basically once that, uh, once I got done with bear seasons, um, we, it was deer season, who really, there wasn't too many people thinking about bears at that point, so I figured, eh, let's wait until, you know, after the holidays here, and uh, we'll be able to... Uh, once everybody's starting to think about bears again. So anyway, so we're back and uh, happy to be back. So and that, that's where my mind's at too is, is some spring bear hunting. So, but uh, anyway, so sorry about that, but we're back and today we've got a big old episode here. Um, should be loaded with good information for you. Uh, we, this, this episode is going to sound a little dated because we recorded it way back in, I think it was September or something. And uh, we... It, but it's good though. Tons of good information. So we've got Joe Condellis on here and uh, I answered, I had him on here and we answered all of your uh, questions that you submitted to me at that point in time. So we got through them all and there's tons of good information and good stuff on here. So hopefully you enjoy it today. But uh, yeah, so uh, a couple of things, let's see with the podcast. So um, we got lots of great content coming out. Uh, a lot of you have submitted uh uh, people you want me to interview, and um, or I've I've sort of pinged f- some of you folks to uh, do interviews with me, and um, there's a lot of you, and so we're going to try to get through those as as much as we can here. There's there's a lot of people I want to talk to. They've got great great stories or in- interesting information, so um, that's something I really want to do, and we're going to get through that as quickly as we can here. So we made the jump over to YouTube. Uh, we have our own, the Bear Hunting Podcast, that's his own YouTube channel now, so, and uh, on there you'll find um, certain, just little bit of, bits of content that I put out, like uh, I made a video of my, uh, what ended up being a hound hunt this last fall here in Michigan, and um, I put the outcome of that on there, and uh, I didn't, hadn't really planned on making a video, so it was kind of short, but uh, um, there'll, be po- <laughs> there'll be a lot of podcasts leading up to that, by the way. But, um, yeah, so we've got that, and I'm also importing all the old episodes from last year into YouTube, and it's basically, they're all going to be the same with the exception of if on the podcast I mentioned, like, um, photos or something, or I'm talking about some sort of visual thing I have a photo of or whatever, um, if you watch the YouTube video, there that photo is going to pop up when I start talking about it, so we sort of have some visual to go off of, so... Um, it's almost like an interactive story in a way. So, but uh, so I'm doing that, and that's a work in progress. It's taking a little bit of time because I want to make sure that they're worthwhile for you to watch on YouTube. So, if if you so desire. So, and of course, the podcast is always going to be out on YouTube, and or not? Well, yeah, YouTube, but also iTunes and uh, SoundCloud and Google Play. So, <clears throat> but um, so that's that. Um, and let me think here. The, uh, 
So the podcast is going to have the, uh, it, it currently has the same partners. Uh, we're still partnered with Bear Hunting Magazine and Batum 907 Bear Attractants. And a uh, couple quick plugs for them. Uh, I think Bear Hunting Magazine just finished um, releasing all of their Bear Horizons episodes for the season. So uh, check those out on YouTube. They're pretty sweet. Um, actually, a lot of really cool episodes. There's one really sweet one that uh, we interviewed uh, Clay Newcomb of Bear Hunting Magazine earlier in the summer. And he talked about this crazy bear hunt where this bear came in the blind or whatever. And uh, that's on YouTube. So definitely check that out. Um, and Bateman 07 still around. Uh, huge thanks to them. They really got me through my bear season this year. Um, uh, the end, at the end there, if it wasn't for a, honestly, if it wasn't for one of their products, I don't think I would have got a bear this year, but, um, anyway, so huge shout out to them. Um, a little plug for them. They, uh, they just released a trapping lure line. So, um, if you're a trapper, check those out. Uh, they've got quite a variety of stuff and the, the sort of the thought process with that I guess was that um someone told Jess over at Baden 907 that <clears throat> their lure their bear lures were stronger smelling than the top selling trapping lure so she said well let's see what I can do so she came out with a whole line of stuff and uh so far the results have been great so if you're a trapper check those out they're pretty cool i got all kinds of stuff really like specific animal stuff too so that's neat but um huge shout out to them they're <laughs> beta really really helped me out this year so uh glad to have them as a partner of the podcast so and, and that's the thing you know let's talk about the structure of this podcast a little bit um i'm not you know this podcast it's it, it's purely out here for information i do it for fun i'm not here to monetize this and make money off it and try to sell you a bunch of products and you know I listen to a lot of podcasts and some of these things are just like oh shut up I am so tired of listening to I mean the whole thing's an advertisement you know it drives me crazy and I don't want to be that I don't want I don't and I also don't want to you know when you have advertisers and um if I were to go that route and they're going to influence the content of this podcast and I don't want that you know, nobody wants that. I want to be able to talk about what I want to talk about, you know. And so the only people I'm going to partner with, if I do, you know, I mean, I've got two partners right now. And the only reason I have them is because there's things I use anyway, you know. So I'm not going to go and um, partner with, uh, you know, somebody that I, I, something I don't like, you know, something I don't feel works, you know. Because let's be real, people do that all the time in the hunting industry. And um, that, that's not what I'm about. I, I want to be as real and authentic as possible. And so um, going and monetizing this, and that's just not what I want to do. I'm here to promote bear hunting. I'm here to get good information out there for the you guys and honestly myself too. I love talking about bears and uh, I love learning about it. This year I learned a ton from the podcast and I think that really helped me with my bear hunting, you know. So, and, um, that's what I want to do. So, uh, so basically if I'm, if I'm promoting somebody on here, it's because I actually use it. I actually believe in it and, um, that's it. So anyway, so you're not going to hear a whole bunch of, uh, oh, you know what you should do? You should buy this can of whatever. And it, I swear if I use this, the bears are going to run up to you. No, I'm not going to do that. So anyway, um, but yeah, so that's that. Um, so, let's see what else I want to talk about here. Pull up my handy dandy list. Um, 
Yeah, so I guess uh, before last thing before we get to this podcast here is uh, um, I want to talk about just really quickly. We got big things coming up here um, for my bear hunts this year. Uh, I don't know. I'm doing a spring hunt this year. I don't know where. Um, I'm still working that out. I, I'm debating. I need some more information on something, but I want to do something really cool that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. You'd be like, whoa, that's a cool thing. So that's something I'm working on. I'm, I'm still in the, I mean, I've researched it for a while, but I need some confirmation on some things. So before I say, you know, before I actually pull the trigger and go, yeah, this is for sure what I'm doing. So, but um, anyway, and if that doesn't work out, then I've got other plans too. So uh, I've got like a plan B and C and D. So um, I really, really want to do a cool spring bear hunt this year. So uh, that's the big plan. That's the big plan there. And then for the fall, I'm just going to stick with Michigan again this year. Um, as somebody re- I really enjoy it. It's not the uh, most glorious hunt. Sometimes it's hard, uh, as it was this year. La- this year I got my butt beat. Um, between Minnesota and Michigan, I I had a tough tough year. Um, just uh, things sort of outside of my control happened, and it was like, ugh. But um, it, the <laughs> we'll talk tons about this in the podcast, but. Never, ever, ever, ever give up, ever. So, because you never know. Um, it, all it takes is for things to just switch around once, and you go from having the worst season ever to the best season ever. So, and uh, yeah. But anyway, we I will in the coming weeks here. We're gonna have multiple podcasts about my season. I think um, it's almost a good thing I struggled so much because, you know, a lot of times you watch like bear hunting media, especially bear hunting stuff. It seems like all you ever see is a whole bunch of bears run into a bait pile and and it's like, Oh yeah, slam dunk. But in reality, sometimes it is really hard. And, um, that's part of the thing I want to be authentic about is sometimes it's hard. It's mentally tough. Sometimes you're like, Oh, I want to quit. You know, I I hate, (laughs) there was a time I told somebody this earlier this season you know, there was a, there's a week where I wanted to burn all my bear hunting stuff and quit. I hated it. I was like, this sucks. (laughs) But, um, you know, after a little bit, I realized that, you know, that's stupid and grow up and, but anyway, so no, um, in reality, I love bear hunting and it's the best. So, but anyway, we will talk all about that later. That's a little teaser for later. But in the meantime, we've got a great episode with Joe Condellis here that answers all of your questions that you had submitted up until like last September. So without further ado, here we go. Hey everybody, welcome to the Bear Hunting Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we've got a return guest this time, Joe Condellis of uh, Yellowstone Country Bear Hunters Association. And uh, this is going to be our second question and answer uh, podcast. So basically what I did is I've gotten a ton of questions from you guys and uh, really appreciate them all. And uh, I figured to do it justice instead of me trying to answer all of it, I'd bring on somebody that uh, probably could answer some of the questions too. So um, I thought Joe would be a great guy to bring on. So uh, how you doing, Joe? Man, I'm doing good. I, I can't complain. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, no problem. Hey, great time first, great first guest, and uh, happy to have you back on. So, but uh, oh yeah, I had a fun the last time, and uh, yeah, uh, you got some good questions and stuff there. Hopefully, I can help answer some of them, anyways. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, cool. But um, let's see. So actually, before we jump into this, though, you have a big announcement for us. Yeah, I do actually. Um, 
it's it's been in the works for a little while now, but we've actually um, we renamed ourselves and kind of rebranded our organization, and uh, that went effective August first. Okay. So we now, effective August first, are known as the Western Bear Foundation, as opposed to Yellowstone Country Bear Hunters Association. And we had to do we had to do some work with our logo. Um, there were some things going on, so we had to change our logo. And we looked at it at that time and just thought it's a good time to make that change to broaden our, our, our horizons, I guess, so to speak, you know, make it so we can reach more people. Um, and rather than do the name change down the road, we thought, let's just throw it all at it at once and try and get this done right away. And, and we've already had a lot of positive feedback on the Western bear foundation. Um, it just sounds better. It sounds more legit. And, it sounds like we are looking at outside of the region when we call ourselves the Western Bear Foundation. We're not just focused on Montana, Idaho, and Wyoming, yeah. which is typically what we were working in. But now it gives us room to explore work in, in Colorado and Washington. We're already getting people talking to us about chapters in those states, and it's going to give us a lot more scope. And, and that's kind of the end all. That's kind of the game we wanted to end with, you know, is have this grow to a point where we can help all bear hunters and, there's so many good organizations in the East. We just figured let's just stick to the West where it's kind of a little bit more uh, same habitat, same issues with bears and humans and, and try and work on it. And there's a lot of work to do out here. And, and some of these States are uh, pretty, uh, we don't have the liberal seasons and hunts that we should in some of the States. I'll say that. So yeah, we, yeah. we rebranded the Western bear foundation. Mm-hmm. We have a new logo, a new name and, we're, we're going forward with that. So it's been kind of exciting. It's been hectic. Uh, it's a lot of work to change, <laughs> whether it's paperwork or even the little things, you got to go down to the dang bank and change names and addresses. And it's, it's been kind of a lot of work, but it's going to be really good. And I'm really excited about it. So. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. So no, I think it's a great move. And uh, I mean, it kind of includes everybody, everybody. Cause I mean, you know, the, we'll call it the, the Yellowstone, area i mean they've got their bear problems but uh you know bear issues not problems but issues you know <clears throat> but uh yep. places like washington and oregon and uh colorado and you know california and <laughs> they've got all kinds of other problems too that definitely need it oh you know to, colorado to doesn't least. even have a spring bear season yet yeah which is crazy. there's not even a spring season in colorado and uh, a lot of states you have to draw and so there's there's a lot out there to work on and i think with this we'll be able to get a lot more volunteers and people you know out there on the ground grassroots beating the drum and and it's gonna it's gonna help us in montana idaho and wyoming as well because we've had a lot of people that were confused about what we did um just because of our name Mm -hmm. you know people in the glacier area of montana didn't realize that we were in the states we were there to help them as well. We're in Montana, Idaho, and Wyoming, but they thought because our name was Yellowstone. So this is just going to clear about a bunch of that confusion up. And, and uh, you know, it's kind of bittersweet. It's It was our baby, you know, Yellowstone Country Bear Hunters Association. It was spawned from nothing. And um, the logo and the name and everything, we had a lot of time and effort and blood and sweat into that. So it was, it was hard to give it up just because that's, you know, that's what you know and love. But, uh, I think we're going to all really be a lot more invested in this. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So <clears throat> great stuff. Question is Michigan part of the West. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys are uh, east of the Mississippi there, aren't you? So we're going yeah, to have to, we're, we're west you, of the Appalachians. 
You are, you are. You have one of the strongest bear hunting organizations in the country over there in Michigan. So yeah, yeah, I'll probably have to call them and ask them for pointers. <laughs> yep, that's true. So we definitely yeah. have that here in Michigan. We're we're very blessed. Yeah, heck that, yeah. So. <laughs> that's awesome. So good stuff. All right, all right. So let's jump into these questions here. So um, I think the way we'll do this is um, I'll I'll read off the questions and we'll take turns who goes first. Um, since you're the guest, I'll let you get, go first on the first question and, uh, we'll get through as many as these, uh, many of these as we can. How's that sound? That sounds great. Cool. And for the listeners, um, hopefully I didn't miss any of your questions. I had a lot of them, but, uh, hopefully, um, I got them all and we get these answered. So, all right. So, um, very first question, uh, how do I get started into bear hunting? Huh? Do we have enough time for that? <laughs> that's a that's a very in-depth question but yeah I, i'll give you my my perspective on it and and i'm not an expert by any means but when i got into bear hunting i was very um i didn't have any knowledge of the species and and that is so important with all your game that you're hunting not just bears but if you're out there you know hunting fishing anything you got to have knowledge of the species and so the first mistake I made was not understanding bears and bear habitat. And so I would say the number one most important thing to do, if you're going to try and go out and, and start getting into bear hunting is understand your prey and bears are very unique species. So I would do all my homework I can and you'll never, you'll never know everything, but the more you understand about their habitat, bear biology, um, kind of their behavioral stuff, their seasonality, that you're going to put yourself at a way better advantage than if you didn't understand bears at all. And you just went out <laughs> green trying to find one. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, the next thing I would always say too, is, you know, depending on where you're at, it's just about time in the field. Um, it's really tough in the beginning, especially out West. If you're a spot and stock hunter, um, you, you, you always seem to go through that first year or two where it's just kind of like finding your way and you have to be patient with yourself and you have to be patient with, the tactics and, and how you're hunting and not get too stressed out and not get too bored and not get too bummed that you're not seeing bears because it does seem to take a little bit of time to kind of like find your niche in it. And, and time in the field, you know, hunting, going into the areas where, you know, bears might frequent and time in the field, understanding, you know, the, the ecology, understanding biology of bears and doing all that and putting that together is a big, big part of, you know, being successful out in the field. And, and even when you do that, you're never guaranteed to have good success. But that was my biggest thing. And, and I learned a lot from other people. So I always ask a lot of questions. I read a lot of books. Um, you know, when I started hunting, there wasn't blogs and, and forums and all this stuff to go on and research. So, you know, reading a lot of books and talking to other people that have done it and kind of figured it out. Um, and bear hunters are tricky. Sometimes they're not willing to share a lot of information, but there's groups like us out there and, and groups like, uh, you know, the Michigan bear hunters and, and, and there's you out there, Matt, that can, can help some of these guys out and, and gals out that want to get into the sport by asking those tough questions and kind of wanting to learn. And, and that's all it is. Um, you know, I, I kind of leaned on a lot of other people and by the time I kind of started finding my way, it seemed like a lot more clicked. Um, you know, you just kind of get in a groove and you kind of understand, okay, don't look here, look there. Or, you know, this time of year, I've been seeing them here. I'm not seeing them in this other spot that time of year. And so you kind of find little pockets and that seems to work 
Um, but it, it definitely takes time and, and a lot of energy to go out and start and be successful and <laughs> be patient with yourself, I would say. That would be <laughs> that and, and learning about bears. Yeah, yep, definitely. <clears throat> and, you know, for me, like, um, you know, like my very first season bear hunting, right? You know, I guess, like, my biggest thing is basically what you said do as much learn as much as you can because it's very very different than hunting other things so you know my first year bear hunting um you know i was doing it over bait and i thought it was literally just oh yeah i'm gonna go out there i'm gonna take some dog food with some syrup on it and i'm gonna throw it out in the woods and uh the bears are gonna come flocking and uh i'm gonna get myself a bear you know and (laughs) i didn't even see a bear you know, I, I thought I was in, yeah, this looks like a, a bear where a bear would be. I think, yeah, this is good. You know, as yeah. you know, my first season I set up in, um, a very mature forest that had no undergrowth, no cover for bears, no food. Um, the only reason I set up there is there, there were some tracks walking through there and I said, oh yeah, this is it. This is the spot. And, uh, you know, it's my biggest problem was I underestimated and then I got, you know, and then halfway through the season, I realized I wasn't getting bears into my spot. And so I up and picked up and put out bait at another spot. And of course, didn't get much there. And I wasn't, I was throwing out a couple, you know, like a box of hostess cookie or donuts or something, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and I was, I didn't know anything, you know, and, and I didn't take the time. And then, yep. but, but between the, that season and the next season, I did tons of research because I <laughs> basically, insulted myself like man you know i'm a pretty good deer hunter why can't i get a bear it seems so easy on the tv and and so i i researched a lot and realized the things i was doing wrong and what kind of habitat to look for and um just sort of the right things to do and uh from there you know and my for my second season wasn't the best either but as the season progressed i learned more and more and picked up okay you know and so patience and learning thing and you know learning about bears is the key how to do it. and there's yep. so much out there i mean if you're listening to this podcast i mean you're definitely at least looking in the right places but other yeah. places i mean i learned a lot from just reading forums you know and yep. um that's yep. a great resource or there's plenty of bear hunting books out there or best yet if you can go out with somebody a successful bear hunter that's great too you know so yep you know, and that's, there's something really to be said, you know, baiting and spot and stock are two different monsters, especially when you're talking about first time. And I, I'm new relatively in terms of how many years, a lot of guys have baited bears. You know, when I moved to Wyoming, you could bait here, you can't in Montana. And so I was kind of learning another facet of bear hunting brand new. You know, I thought I had a pretty good handle on spot and stock. I never figure I got that figured out, you know, but mm-hmm. a pretty good handle on that. And so coming into Wyoming, it was like really exciting to learn something new about bears and bear hunting. And and I tell you what, I really got m- almost like I'm, I'm a freak about bears anyways, mm-hmm. but the another type of hunting like brought my level of excitement about bears and just another way to do it it just made me more ambitious and more passionate about learning about them and understanding them and 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 trying to figure out how to bait them and you know that was such a new thing to me so I just dove in and that was at a time in my life where I was a little bit better at understanding hey you got to do some research you got you know when you're young you're just strapping on a pack and going you know you don't care about anything and so at that point I 
And I really dove into like a lot of the research forums, reading a lot of books. Bear hunting magazine is so good. If you're going to learn about bait, hounds, anything, there's always great articles in there. Um, there's a group out east and, and a couple gentlemen out east. And I went out to Nova Scotia bear hunting and and I got to kind of become friends with these guys. And, and they, they helped me a ton because that's all they could do is bait. Yeah. And so they really told me a lot about, hey, you know, the, the, granted the food source is different and the things you're using is different and the natural food is different. But some of the tactics that they use and stuff, I learned a ton from them. And like I said, just asking questions. And, and now what I would always tell the people that are listening to this that are first-time hunters, when you do figure it out and you think you got it dialed in, don't forget about the fact that you were one time a first time guy. Cause there might be a guy that comes knocking and asking questions and be afraid to share a little bit of information with him because you know, that's the only way we're going to grow our sport and, and grow advocates for the species is if we can share our knowledge and get more people involved. So. Yep. Yep. For sure. So, <clears throat> yep. And I mean, um, like I forgot what I was going to say there. Um, you know, like for me, um, I, recently have started you know hanging out with the hound hunters and i've been going out um with them training and uh learning about that facet of of the bear hunting you know not sport but the bear hunting you know world and i mean you learn so much from that too just a whole nother you know face of that and that's that's crazy and it really is widened my appreciation of you know i mean hound hunting and and you know how they work and you know that sort of thing and um and then the other thing you know the the other the other thing is when you get to hunt other areas too like you said you went to nova scotia you know i mean i i've sort of spread out from because i typically hunt michigan but i've hunted you know ontario and this year i'm going to hunt minnesota and because i've hunted those areas now i i've learned a lot about you know picked up on things that they notice there that we don't notice here for instance you know and so absolutely that's, that's it there's and always you're learning from learn. those people that take you and are showing you and that you're with you're always learning from them is no matter how much i think i know which is very little you can fit it in a thimble yeah a thimble i'm always always trying to learn more and there's not a year that goes by where i'm not like gosh dang i didn't you know i missed that or i didn't know that was going to happen and i'm always learning and that's that's what's really cool about bear hunting especially when you can hunt different styles you're always mm-hmm. continually learning something Oh yeah. Yep. I mean, even just doing this podcast, right? I mean, you know, I, am not, I'm not a beginner, but I'm not, I would never claim to be the the world's best bear hunter, you know, but I mean, just talking to other people, it's like, I mean, just from just doing these podcasts, I have learned so much stuff about bear hunting. It's just like mind blowing. And I haven't even scratched the surface of people I want to talk to. It's like, wow. It's crazy. <laughs> you mean yeah. to tell and, me you do this? A, really? You know? We're a hidden group for the most part. You know, bear hunters yeah. aren't that vocal. And so there's a lot of knowledge out there that's just kind of hiding. And it's really cool to un- unearth it and kind of hear everyone's stories. And you do learn from stories. And just yeah. that's so important when you're trying to get into a sport is is taking the time to understand and talk to people is, is really crucial. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So... Yep, that's for sure. So, well, let's keep moving on here. So, yeah. Let's see. I gotta get my screen back here. There we go. Okay. Um, what's the habitat to look for? So, what kind of habitat do you look for out there? So, um, well, actually, it's my turn. Huh. <laughs> yeah. So, um, for me, right? So, you know, it definitely varies wherever you bear hunt, right? But I would say, in the for a fall bear hunt. 
in the you know upper great lakes i tend to look bear all bears need three things food water cover and it, there's a lot of debate about which of those are more important honestly if you can get all why why settle for you know less try to get all three and so if you can find a place where there's cover and when i mean cover there's bears do not like to be around people so if you're close to a town and when i mean close i mean you know within a mile or two it's not a good spot typically unless you live in you know the bush canada you know it's probably not going to be a good spot if you're living in near populated places um you want to get as far away from people as you can you want to find some thick you know woods you know around here that's a cedar swamp or um or like a uh like a clue where they clear cut like uh an aspen forest popple whatever you want to call it and mm -hmm. um it's really thick or you know really thick spruce woods or something like that um and then ideally if there is a food source nearby with uh you know a body of water nearby that's like the perfect spot but i mean i think that sort of translates everywhere right i mean whether you're oh yeah yeah go ahead that that's the same exact thing you know that and i've hunted alaska saskatchewan alberta montana wyoming idaho that's the same thing you look for mm -hmm. anywhere it's 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 how to identify what food is what cover is and what water is but those three together are kind of the the trifecta that's what you need to, to have a successful spot whether it's a spot and stock archery a spot and stock rifle whether you're baiting or whatever you, you need those three things i i believe yep yep or even hounding i mean if you're if you're driving around rigging in the wrong areas you know if the bears aren't there they're not there <laughs> you know so yeah yeah you got it you're going to want to go where the bears are and you know out, out west when you're spot and stock hunting that's going to save you understanding the habitat and what to look for is going to save you so much time and money and energy when you can narrow it down. You know, the country out here is big. And so you got a giant drainage or a, a huge river that's got five or six different drainages coming off it. And, and, you know, sparsely populated in the river bottom, where are you going to start looking? And, and if you don't understand bear habitat and where to look, and, and that's kind of where we're trying to go, you're going to just be lost driving through that. And so, I always look for in the spring versus the fall, a little different, but in the spring, and, and I use the same tactics when I'm looking for a good bait site, but you know, in the spring, they like those big canyons and they like bears funnel so much. So I look for natural funnels, yeah. bears funnel out of the high country and they come down creeks for the first water and green grass. Yeah. And so early spring, that's what I look for is water and green grass with some cover and a natural funnel out of a high drainage. And then as time goes on, they're going to use that same that same corridor, and but they'll likely move up, and they're going to get into more cover, still on that green grass, that that south facing slope, and, and water. Mm -hmm. And the deeper, the darker the timber out west, the better it is for them to sleep. And you know they'll sleep out in the middle of a park, but that's not their comfortable place. You know they're they're going to want to be in the deep dark timber. And like you said, bears don't like people. Black bears don't like being bothered. Um, they're totally different than grizzly bears when it comes to human um, interaction. And I just kind of look for those things. And, and especially baiting is the same way. I look for water right out the gate, mm -hmm. you know, and usually where there's some water on a south south hill or a south canyon, there's going to be some green grass. And, and then I try and find the cover with that. And I like to look for, you know, long, big stands of cover, you know, not these – 
patchy, you know, there's a timber stand there. There's a, there's some, you know, there's a half mile by half mile on that hillside chunk of timber. No, bears want travel corridors in the timber. And so you want something that they can come from one Canyon to another or from one drainage to another. And you got continuous timber and then there's a food source in there somewhere with some water. And that's usually kind of the money spot in the spring. Yeah. Yeah. Fall can be a lot different. You know, fall, you're looking for berries, um, out West anyways, you know, and I know out East there's the food crop, you know, the, the hardwoods and all that is different, but out here you're looking for berries and bears are so rangy in the fall, but typically water doesn't go away, but, um, you know, you got to find the berries and the food source in the fall to find bears. And I, I do find that tend to find them in a little bit more open country in the fall, but I think that's because they're working in the berry patches and stuff like that. And they're getting out of some of their comfort zones of the timber. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, let's press on then. Um, let's keep going through these. Uh, next question, pros and cons of spring versus fall hunting. Wow. That's a good question. Uh, you know, and it's so, it's so determined by where you live, mm-hmm. but, um, I'll just speak for what I know. Okay. Um, and, and kind of your Western States of Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, you know, Colorado, no spring season. So you're kind of stuck in the fall, but from what I know in the spring is the best in my mind. And like I said, this is my opinion uh, for hunting bears in Montana, Idaho, Wyoming. um, Springtime is the best. And and there's a number of different reasons, but primarily it's because you have a limited food source on the mountain at that time. And Mm -hmm. the bears are, they need to eat and they need water. And so they're a little bit more vulnerable when it comes to where to find them, you know you're not going to find them in few places that don't have good green grass in the spring. And so that kind of narrows down your search. I'll say. And in the springtime as well, the temperatures, at least out here, um, the temperatures tend to be a little bit cooler, cooler nights. Um, The bears seem to be a little bit more active. And then on baits are the same, you know, in the fall with baits in, in Wyoming and Idaho, I know, you know, you get some hot days and the bears will be on the baits and stuff, but it seems like they're a lot more nocturnal because there is a lot more food out there in the fall. They're, they're, they're eating carrion, they're eating whatever they can find, and they're in that hyperphasia where they're just trying to find any amount of food they can, and so they're not stuck in one drainage sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so they're real rangy, and so I like the spring the best in, in, in the West. Um, I've hunted fall. I've killed bears in the fall. Um, it, it's, it's totally doable and it's fun. And if I don't draw any other good permits, a lot of times I'll put out some bear baits or go look for bears on berry patches, but it, it, it's just a little harder to pinpoint them in the fall out here. Yeah. Um, and then if you go to Arizona and some of these other places then then the fall is the time to hunt. And, and I know hides, there's a great argument over hides. What, what time of year the, the, the hides better and, you know, you could get some good hides in the spring, but typically the bears in the fall are a lot fatter with a, a more, you know, kind of uniformed hide. And so, you know, that's a whole different argument. But for me, hunting and actually seeing and, and harvesting, I prefer the spring. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> you know, and I, I agree with all that for sure. Um, the, you know, one thing about the fall hunts is it's definitely harder to is sometimes it can definitely be harder especially to bait bears because of all the natural food whereas in the spring they don't have as much you know 
but um, yeah. especially if you live in an area with a lot of berries or a lot of you know hard mast like acorns or hazelnuts or something um it's not you know you really gotta it's almost a science to get those bears to come out in the daytime you know you, you basically got to convince them yeah. hey, come off this you know there's plentiful food over here you know come come away from that and come eat this bait over here which you know is not a good thing and do it in the daytime yeah. that's that's an art and that's it's hard yeah and that's so, a you guys have that challenge of that and that that's something that you know maybe with some apple trees and pear trees and peach trees and some, you know, in, in Idaho and in kind of that area out by council Idaho and stuff where they have limited draw bear tags, Mm -hmm. there is some major um, crop damage and stuff done by bears out there. And those bears will come way out and they'll eat the apples and they'll do all that stuff. And those houndsmen are rigging off of those, those bears, which is, is a good thing in the fall because there's a way to get those bears, you know, to rig on them and go, but, you know, we don't really have that out here. Like you guys, I always hear stories I'm always reading about, and it, it seems like it would be so difficult when those bears get so keyed in on acorns and, and cornfields, and yeah. they they will eat natural food before bait. And so, like, the challenge of trying to draw, draw them to bait in areas with such good natural food makes fall baiting so much harder. And in, in the mountain states, if you live in a high alpine area or you're hunting high 8,000, 9,000 feet, you know, there's some berries, but yeah. you're not competing against like an acorn or a hazelnut, like you said. Not, yeah. I mean, I give you guys kudos. That's a challenge. I mean, that is, that's like you said, that's a science getting them to pull them off of that. And then I've always heard too, that once that dies off, then you got a short window there that it's really good, but I don't know, man, that's a, it's an interesting topic for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to pursue that further because I could literally spend three hours talking about (laughs) all that, but uh, (laughs) yeah, for sure. Now the other thing, the other thing too, you know, um, something to consider is, is, you know, the bears themselves, right? So in the fall, um, if you have a bear that's been feeding heavily on berries, they are delicious and they'll be full of fat, which can be rendered down into to oil, which is awesome to use for all kinds of things, and that's great. Um, the other thing is, early in the fall, their hides are typically short-haired, whereas later in the fall, if you get them like right before they're about to den up, that's about the best their hides will ever be. But it yep. is so hard to kill a bear right before they go into the den. It is tough. Yep. You know, if you're baiting, they're even... pretty keyed in on that. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, they're pretty keyed in on that. And I, it is true, too. Like, if you want, you know, the bears out of the spring seem to have a little bit better of uh, they're not so tough and, and the meat isn't. And then, but yeah. they do take on the, they take on the flavor of what they're eating. Yeah. And and they're one species that's really good about that. So, you know, if you can get a good buried up bear and then, and, you know, they've got good fat. And when I was out in Nova Scotia, man, they made lotion and soap and make pie crust and every, there's so many uses for bear fat. Yep. And it's not little, like seven, eight inches of fat on these things in the fall and yep. the, on their backs. You know, they, they lose 40% of their body weight. So it's it's a really good time of year if you're going to try and if you want to eat one and consume it. And then the hides are usually exceptional. You know, yeah. in the spring you will get, I don't see them that often rubbed, but mm-hmm. they will rub. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, I always think wetter years in my mind makes them rub because they're like people they itch when they get wet and stuff yeah but the heat does too but you know that that's always a potential and i've seen a lot of the boars especially bigger boars well they'll have their armpits 
their underneath their front legs will be kind of thinner haired, mm-hmm. you know, in the spring. And then, and it's just a habit of them walking and, and moving around more, but with those bears in the fall, that's all full. Yeah. You know, they, they, they're moving around less and they've got that full. I do have a really nice fall bear. It's probably my best hide and, and just immaculate. Even the armpits are just, it's beautiful hide. So you kind of got to pick and choose your battles, but yep, <laughs> I exactly. guess for my, my, my opinion for seeing them and have an opportunity, I would pick the spring. Yeah. Yep. I would pick whenever you can possibly get out to haunt them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good call. <laughs> I never turned one down. If I had to, to, if I had to choose, I'd sure. probably choose spring, but <laughs> It, you know, yeah. but why choose if you don't have to? <laughs> yeah, if you don't have to choose, go as much as you can. Exactly. So, cool. All right, ideal baiting tactics. Oh, boy. Um. Oh, boy, is right. That is a loaded question. That has been debated and in books and everything, but we're going to do it in short order. Yes. We're going to make it happen. Yes. All right, so short order, right? Um, ideally... Okay, it depends on your situation. If you live in, um, let me just make a situation up here. Say you live in Denver, Colorado, and you want to go bait bears up, um, what's the northernmost city in, in Wyoming? Is it Cody? So you you could you could get yeah we're up in Cody so we're okay. about seven hours from Denver. Okay, so say you want to bait bears, um, and I don't know if this is legal, but I'm just gonna make a, a guess here. Hypothetically, yeah, you're yeah, good. Hypothetically, say you want to bait bears up in Cody, Wyoming. It's okay that for some reason you got some reason you want to bait there. Okay, you are going to be limited with what you can do. You can definitely run a successful bait site. But you have to, your tactics for baiting are going to be very different than if you are Matt Schumann living in the north woods of the UP of Michigan and your bait site is 20 minutes from your house, you know. So um, if you live 20 minutes from your house, your bait site's 20 minutes from your house, you can go and you can bait 5 to 10 gallons every single day and put out enough bait so the bears are always coming in feeding and when you get back the next day they'll restore it and the bears will keep coming in they'll get used to your scent and you can sneak in one day and shoot a bear and it works out really well that way and you don't go through a whole lot of bait or if you are the guy living in denver and you want to bait in cody wyoming you're gonna have to make a baiting trip once a week once every other week and just load that bait site up with as much bait as you possibly can carry into there to feed the bears for as long as you can to you get back so it but it, and that would be the best way to do it um, that being said so it all depends on your situation you know um, that's yeah I couldn't very I couldn't agree more uh, paraphrased yeah. answer <laughs> I mean, and, and that just kind of puts it in maybe not the best ways and tips and like tricks of baiting, but it yeah. puts it in the best kind of method on, you know, there's kind of two schools and you hit them both yeah. when it comes to baiting. There's that, I can't make it there every day or even every other day. And so you are going to have to really pound that barrel or pound that crib or whatever you're doing, whatever method that you use to bait. And um, if they, if they come in on a regular basis and then you run them out of food and you live in say Denver and you got to drive all the way up to Wyoming and you're not coming for seven more days, they're gone mm-hmm. because there's another guy a mile away. That's got a bait site that they're going to find his food. Yep. And so you really got to put a lot of bait out, but on the, on the converse to that is 
if you do have that luxury, and I, I agree totally, is, you know, limited amount of food. Don't get them so used to coming to a full barrel all the time. And, and if you live close, that's a great method because they won't be on a schedule then. If they know that they come to the barrel and it's full every time they come, especially these big boars, yeah. they're going to get in the habit of coming at night. And they're going to be like, every time I come, it's full. And that's the hard thing about when you live far away is you kind of training them into that. Yeah. And you got to break them at some point. But if you live close and you can put out a bucket or a pail every day, and they got to start competing for that food source. I mean, that's ideal. Yeah. Um, I use kind of a combination and, and what we've kind of found that works for us, you know, we're getting to our sites about every two to three days and it's not bad early because they're kind of really and they're funny early on here. They, mm. they do not hammer the baits. It takes them a long time to really just start where you can tell when you go into that bait site and you're like, Oh wow, we got stuff's going down now. Yeah. But you know, we'll, we'll go up to a bait site that first got hit and it's barely, barely, barely touched. Like they don't even move the crib and you're just like, you know, so early on what we like to do is fill our sites so full as full as we can get them yeah. of food. We do all our scent drags. We do our, all our trails and we got everything out there for scent. And then we leave it alone for a, a substantial amount of time. And our hopes are that, why we're gone and leaving it alone. And we're, we're about an hour and a half away. So mm -hmm. we're back in town here and in two weeks time, those bears have started finding the bait. And then in, in, in the in, subsequent to that, they, they've started kind of got more bears to the bait. They're dragging in more bears and then they're starting to work on their pecking order. And all that's going on while that barrel's starting to dwindle slowly down and, and they're still kind of not really hammering the bait, but they're getting aggressive and we'll check it, you know, once a week early on. And then once we see that barrel start getting hammered, what we'll do is just bucket at a time, but only like, you know, we can't go every day. So it's really a challenge. So instead of doing a bucket, just one guy bring one bucket, we try and kind of give them enough that it's going to last them a day and then try and figure out a way to get in there the next day. And so it's, it's really hard. You kind of got to look at when you can go, but I like to feed them a ton early let them work it out and get competitive and get kind of real aggressive with each other. And, and then what happens is they don't see people. And then all these bears are around all the time. Mm -hmm. Then they start learning, like, I got to come in at five. Cause if I don't come in at five at seven, that big guy comes in and he's going to whip my butt. Yep. So I got to come in at five. And so it starts creating that kind of timeline. And then you go that first time to hunt it and they should be in pretty good shape as far as like comfortability, as long as the scent's good. And that's worked really good for us. But then when you do have multiple bears and they're hitting it and you live far away, that's when the real challenge is. And you can put out, you know, if you got four or five bears hitting your bait and, and you can't go there every day, you're not going to be able to keep it full because no. they'll eat it. They'll eat a whole barrel in a day if you got four or five. And no. it's really tough. But if you can keep it every couple of days, they'll at least be in the area and they'll stay pretty consistent with checking it. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with what you said about kind of depends on, it depends on your situation. And ideally for me would be to bait heavy early, leave it alone until I'm going to hunt it. Mm -hmm. And then when I start hunting it, just slow, just feed them enough to keep them fed, but to keep them really competitive. And, and that's yep. kind of my favorite way to do it. Yep. And that, and that right there is an art What you just said, feeding them enough to keep it competitive. So mm -hmm. I see a lot of guys that take that. I'm going to limit the amount of bait to keep it competitive by and they go and they put out half a gallon of bait 
and they get one little bear comes in, feeds, you know, cleans it out, and then leaves. And the problem with that is you're not creating competition. You're feeding one bear for a couple out for an hour, yep. and then he goes away. Yep. That's not creating competition. You have to have enough bait there to where there's multiple bears hitting the bait site. They all have enough food to feed and stay in the area, but you're not feeding them yep. to where they think they can come in at 3 a.m. to just engorge themselves. Yep. You know? So. It's, it is the difference. Honestly, this year kicked my butt. I got my butt kicked this year, and, and I'm fairly knowledgeable. I've done it enough where I can kind of get by. (laughs) And this year whipped my butt. And it was one of those years where I think you just have one once in a while. And we had the worst year on our baits that I've ever had. I mean, it was terrible. Yeah. It was weather and a bunch of things. And I won't go into it. But what what was really interesting to see was feeding one or two bears early on and just a couple big ones and not having them things cooperate with us at all. And then as soon as it kind of popped really late in the season, um, almost so late, we didn't even get to hunt it. But wow. when it popped, I left the camera up there. It was just like night and day. So when we started getting multiple bears hitting that site, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you got those big ones in the daylight. You got not two bears, you got four bears hitting it. So it's like you need that competition to drive those big bears into your sites. And then once they're kind of around and they know there's a competition for that food and that rut starts in the spring, yeah. you'll start getting more bears. But it's just like, man, if you're feeding just one bear, that's the hardest I've found. If you're feeding one big bear and that's all that's in there, yeah. Uh, my my opinion is if you kill him, you're one of the best there is because it is so challenging when there's only one. Yep, exactly. Yep, could not. So agree that competition's more with that. crucial. Yep, exactly. No matter what method you're using, you need a lot of bears there. That's for sure. So, yep. Yep. Cool. I could. Yeah, I'm just gonna press on because I could. Uh, I yeah, because that one, <laughs> and I could learn a lot from you. Uh, you know, it's it's oh. so interesting to hear everyone's. Dip. And that's one thing I will. That I'm not telling you what you should do. I'm telling you what I do, and it was worked for me. And that's kind of like everyone's got their own little thing. And bait guys are funny. You know, they do it each, and whatever works for you works great. But if you're new, those are some things to consider. You don't have to do it that way, but those are definitely things to consider. And you made some great points on first look at the way you're going to have to hunt and then yeah. kind of adjust your baiting routine to that. Yep. Yep. And, and, you know, I mean, even if you go back and you listen to previous episodes of this podcast, you will hear extremely successful bear hunters, um, from multiple different areas tell you the complete opposite they will tell you the other method i mean it is hilarious i just i don't even know what to do sometimes i'm just like and that's where i've kind of decided whatever works for you do it but do it right you know yeah there's basically there's like um it's almost like two like martial arts right you know, you got one yep. martial, you know, one style versus the other. Whatever you pick a style and you perfect it, that is the best way to bait. Yep. You so. tweak it and then you make it your own. And then when someone asks you how to bait, you say the way I do it, yep. and it works good for me. And that's all that matters. Exactly. But there is a starting point, and you kind of got to figure that out. <laughs> but it is interesting. You got guys all over this country that all have different beliefs, and yep. they work for them. So it's so neat to talk to them though and figure out kind of you pull from each one though. Exactly. You know you can pull little tidbits from each one exactly that you can so cool all right how to make bait this is the next question Mm. how to make bait am i first on this one Uh, yeah you are 
So you can, you okay, can, you can punch it. If you want me to go first, I can. It's no big deal. No, no, I, I, I make bait by driving up to a, 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 a a sweetheart bread store and buying it. No, um, <laughs> I don't make a lot of bait. Um, yeah. I'll be honest with you. We buy most of our bait in bulk. Um, yeah. great company out here, uh, in Wyoming that sells us. We never used to, we just started doing it. And what I can get some bulk candy and some bulk dog food. And what I do is I mix it. We'll, we'll put it in the big bins and we'll mix it, add some, uh, some boar masters attractants to it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when we get to the site, we always mix it with some grease and stuff. So we really don't make bait here. Um, I know a lot of guys that'll pop popcorn yep. and, and that works great. It's light, easy to use. You can get yourself a, almost a commercial one or a used one and just pop it in your garage into bags, yep. seal them up, throw them in your garage. You can do that all summer long. If you're baiting in the fall or all winter long, if you're baiting in the spring, it's yep. a lot of bait, it's filling and it's relatively cheap. So a lot of people do popcorn, um, I used to do bear suckers and, and I just, I, honestly, they work, but I'm just kind of keep it simple, stupid. I, they work good, but I'm, t- I got tired of lugging chains and rope and string. <laughs> we back, we backpack our baits in and yep. you know, you're making candy lollipops. And I was just like, you know, we use something that's very strong smelling to get them to a site that, yep. that they'll eat the food and that's it. So don't really make bait. Um, I rely heavily on my attractants that we use. Yep. Um, one from James Valley and then the others from Boar Masters. And then the rest is, I just get what I can, where I can, man. I'm a scoundrel. I'm, I'm scrounging all the time. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. And I got, we, we've got five chest freezers that we just, you know, a lot of times they're empty, but man, when we get it, we don't want to pass it up. So we just freeze it. Yeah. And so that's kind of how we do bait, but I'd be interested to hear what, what your beliefs are in making bait. Cause someone must have a thought about making something. <laughs> All right, so with making bait, um, it depends on how economical you want to make your hunt. If you value your time, and um, if you value your time, and you live in Canada or the Eastern United States, or you know in the springtime, or, or even by um, you know Joe there with the other bait, basically, if you don't want to spend a whole lot of time making bait go to a bait dealer and buy bulk bear bait. You're going to spend a few hundred dollars, but you're going to get yourself a lot of factory scrap food that is really great bear bait. You know, um, granola, trail mix, cookies, frosting, pie filling. I mean, you get it, but I mean, it's shocking. The kind of, it actually makes you realize how wasteful we are as a society. The amount of food that gets thrown away is crazy. I mean, I've, there's been years where I've had thousands and thousands of dollars worth of, if it would have been sold at the store, you know, as trail mix, I've had that sitting in my garage, (laughs) you know, it's just crazy. Yeah. But anyway, and the it, bears will fly through that, by the way. So if you buy like a big like, yeah. tote of bait, like a pallet of bait, you're like, wow, yep. that is a lot of food. Watch how quick and the bears whip eat through that. it. It is crazy. Yep. It is shocking how much food the bears will go through. So we go through a couple hundred. I mean, we, and that's the nice thing too, is you can usually find a buddy or a couple buddies that'll buddy up with you and split the bait. Yeah, yep. You know, and so you can get pallets in, like you said. Yep, exactly, and that's that's definitely the way to go. So, um, but there is a lot of like variety too nowadays. Like you know, used to just get as much bread as you could, but you know, if you live in in the West here, 
these bread stores are getting pretty hard to get bait out of more bear hunters out there. It's getting yeah. a lot tougher to get oh, bread, sell bread and stuff. So same in the East, you oh, got to really kind of like, it's tough sailing. So we just kind of got tired of it and said, you know, heck it's, it's not much more no. to buy this bulk food. And man, you can dog foods easy. You know, you can mix it with you want and it lasts like, we got leftovers it'll last we keep it in dry storage it'll last so that that's kind of the way we've been doing it lately yeah 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 i used to do the whole bread thing too and it's just hard because basically what happens is there's a lot of bear hunters and either one of two things are happening either a somebody will go and get a monopoly on the place and you know on a certain bakery or something and you won't be able to get it because so-and-so's friends with the manager, like their best buddies, and they get all the bait all year round. So you're not going to get yep. it. Or it is so competitive that um, you can't, I mean, you're going to waste your time. You're going to spend so much money and gas going in there just to check and see yep. if they have bread. It's not even worth it. You know, you're best off just to go, unless, you know, you're one of the lucky ones that has the hookup. You know, and I mean, I'm the host yeah. of the Bear Hunting Podcast, and I do not have the hookups. So, <laughs> if that tells you well, how hard it is so to get a hookup, too, is, <laughs> it, it's go anymore now, and, and people aren't just using it for bear bait; they're using it for animal feed, and oh, and, and it's really a challenge. And I go to these places, and they give me wheat bread and all this crap, and I don't even like eating that. And a bear doesn't want to eat that stuff; they want donuts and sweets. That's exactly. what they like, and so you're you're basically getting the bottom of the barrel bags of bread that you know you got to sweeten them up and put a bunch of grease on them you got to doctor them up anyways to get those bears to eat them i mean i've seen them pick through that whole grain wheat stuff you know they want (laughs) white bread and sweets yep exactly exactly so (laughs) yep so um okay so but to make bait though so if for say you want to um be a little more cost effective right with your bait what i tend to do is I like to go to a feed mill, um, you know, like the sells animal feed, and I will get um, bags of oats. Oats are cheap. Around here, you get a hundred bucks or a hundred pounds for thirteen dollars, twelve dollars, thirteen dollars, something yeah. like that. And bears love oats to an extent. You cannot just go. I mean, at least around here in the fall, you cannot go and dump a hundred pounds of oats on the ground just straight like that and expect the bears to eat that it's just not going to work you have to sweeten them up nope. so what i do is i pick up molasses i i go to a bait dealer i'll get frosting um and i'll get i'll get like nuts or like granola or something and what i'll do is i'll basically dilute that high quality bait with those oats but then what i do is yep. i will sprinkle in um not sprinkle i'll like goop like 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 spoonfuls of um you know, like frosting or, or this year, what I did, I've mm-hmm. got granola that I'm mixing with. It's actually ground up granola, um, oats, frosting, like wedding cake, frosting, molasses, uh, beta 907 sweetener powder. And, uh, was, Oh, and the key ingredient for this year is almond butter. I picked up a 55 yeah. gallon drum of almond butter. <laughs> that's a good score yeah yeah so i'm gonna mix that all in and basically make a sticky granola i'm gonna make a video of it so you all can see it but yeah, basically i sit sweet. there and i got these i got these like uh these like troughs these big metal like troughs 
and I'm going to mix basically barrels of beta at a time of this sticky granola that's really granola oats, you know, and I'm processing it myself into a granola, but it's, you know, this nasty goop, and it's much, much cheaper than buying, you know, a whole bunch of granola at the same price, you know, and it's probably better anyway, so. Yeah, and see, that's like, that's a, when you talk about making bait, you know, that's something that I think everyone should be looking at doing too, is like what you're building there. Mm -hmm. It's, plus those little bread and stuff, they can pack away. Yeah. They can't pack M&Ms and and oats and dog food, and so kind of our go-to when we, but we, so we backpack it all, we, we carry it, and we put it in buckets, and our mix is usually grain or oats, sweet mix, we call it out here. Yeah. We put some sweet mix in a, in a five-gallon bucket with some dog food, and then we get fryer grease, fryer oil, and put that, just soak it with that so it's like a sludge. Yeah. And then we usually sprinkle in some sweetener additive from Boremasters, one of those companies. Yeah. And you can, you know, sweeten it up really good. And then, you know, we, we get bulk candy, and so we'll put a few M&Ms in there. I try not to go too heavy on the chocolate, but just enough to kind of sweeten it up. And so then essentially what you have is a bucket of bait that's made that you don't got to stand there at the barrel and pick through the wrappers. You're just dumping it in and going. Exactly. And so that's kind of a good mix, similar to what you're doing. Like the granola thing is fantastic. I bet that's – they yeah. love that, I bet. You know, and I mean, I've done that for years. Not And I, every year it's kind of – basically what I do is I go to those, those – even the bait dealers, they have sales, right? And so if you can get something mm-hmm. that's kind of on a sale, I mean, I've done all kinds of stuff. Like I've gotten – one year they had a, a sale on uh, Heath Toffee, like the pieces of a Heath Oh, nice. Bar. Yeah, and it's like this like crumbly stuff. And standalone, that probably wouldn't be the greatest bear bait. But I mixed it with oats. Um, what did I use that year? Oats. Um, there was uh, – they had a sale. They were selling these candied dates. And um, – Mm-hmm. I mean, that doesn't sound like, I mean, it maybe it does sound like a great berry bait, but it's not your standard stuff, right? So they had a great sale on it, and it was heavy and thick. So I throw that in there, and basically I made this all-natural granola. Um, I think I put molasses mm-hmm. in there. I forgot what else I put in there. But um, anyway, and the bears loved it, absolutely loved it. You know, I mean, I, you bet so. tell, I mean, it was, it's the same as granola. I mean, because all granola is, too, by the way, is oats. So the only thing you're yeah. doing is not crushing them and putting a little sugar on it, you know, and essentially you are putting sugar yeah, on it, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah, <laughs> but. it's true, man. If you can find anything, like you said, and you pick it up and, and the hardest thing out here is we don't have it. If you're not, if you're living in a rural area is getting that pallet picked up or something. So you typically got to drive, but what I found is call a buddy up or call a couple guys that you know, that'd be interested. And you can usually pull together and get that shipped or get that, go pick it up and it saves you so much in the long run. And then instead of worrying about bait all year long, you're worrying about how you're going to hunt and where you're going to hunt. You're not worried about bait and how to get it. Cause boy, I mean, bait is a time sink. (laughs) You know, if you're out looking for bait, I did it one year. I spent all summer gathering up bait and it only got me enough bait for half the baiting season. You know, I still had to go yep. and buy, and, and I mean, I probably broke even in terms of gas and stuff. It just wasn't worth it. I spent so yeah. much time on it, and from that point on, it's like, all right, I mean, you can try. I mean, I'm not, if that's all, if that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do, or especially if you live yeah, in an area exactly. where there's not a whole lot of, um, you know, like, there's not a whole lot of bear hunters. Like, if you live yeah. in Denver, okay, let's say if you live in Denver, that you're that guy that lives in Denver, you know, there's not probably a whole lot of bait hunters out there. So you no. could probably go to the bread store and you could probably yep. get a whole bunch of bread and it wouldn't be a big deal, you know, 
But you if you live yep. in the Northwoods of Michigan, everybody else in the world is trying to do that. Good There's luck. thousands of other bear yeah. hunters that want to do the same thing, you know? And it's so, true. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's funny tough. stuff. Let's jump ahead here. Number six, is it dangerous? And this is me. Um, I would say it's more dangerous to drive your vehicle to work every day. Um, that being said, um, it's definitely not this as safe as, uh, playing cards at your house. Um, no, you know what? I mean, in all honesty with bear hunting, you just got to be smart about it. I mean, bears, especially black bears, then this does not apply if you're a grizzly hunter, <laughs> but if you're a black yeah. bear hunter, um, you know, bears are typically very afraid of you. That being said, you know, like where I hunt typically in Michigan is very, the bears are pretty high pressure. They know what humans are. They don't want to mess with you typically. That being said, um, right here in Michigan, I have been circled by bears at the bait site. I have had bears come up my tree, um, in the dark, um, which was sketchy for sure. Um, but you know, I was never like, oh man, I'm about to die. You know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's probably not the safest hobby, but I would say it's far, there's far, far more dangerous things to do is my opinion. So, oh, and, and I would definitely not let that inhibit you of doing it. If you're like, like I want a bear hunt, but man, I'm terrified of bears. Don't be it really, really, yeah. really, <laughs> that is not, if, if that's what's stopping you, do not let it just, there's no reason. Yeah. That's, that's what I got. About you know, in terms of hunting, if we're going to speak about just dangerous hunting mm -hmm. uh, animals to hunt, I mean, black bears are going to, I wouldn't put them up there as dangerous as hunting mountain sheep or mountain goats or oh, yeah. hunting anywhere in Alaska, you know? So I don't think that it, it I'm, I'm hardened because I'm not hardened. I guess I would say I'm, <laughs> I'm biased because I love it so much and I don't think it's that dangerous. Yeah. Um, if you're talking to me about it, I don't think black bears no they are they're a predator and so right. any predator any toothy critter is gonna potentially cause a problem and if you're living in their world but which you are when you're hunting them there's a potential for something to happen you know and you always have close encounters and you know the the chance of a bear attacking you in in when you're hunting bears is a lot higher than if you're gonna be elk hunting and elk's not gonna attack you the odds of that are almost none right so I guess you could put it up pretty high as in terms of the hunt, the prey you're hunting is, is actually a predator. So your danger, your inherent danger there goes up a little bit, yeah. but on terms of like overall in the, in the scheme of hunting or any hobby, yeah. it's not that great. It, it's not that dangerous. Um, if you're smart and you know what you're doing, I think you'll find that you rarely bump into them when they're even aggressive. Yeah. And if you do get an aggressive one, you kind of, you know, you got, you got to be smart about that. But I, I don't feel bear hunting's dangerous at all. And you know, you might get nervous and you might go through some years there at your bait when, when you're first starting that it kind of is a little hairy, but after about four years of that, you'll be, <laughs> you'll be hardened to that and not, not be, you, you'll be trying to pet them. And, and, and that's where people get in trouble, but I, I don't feel that it's dangerous. I think people make it more dangerous than it needs to be. Um, we, we cause problems more than the bears cause problems. Yep. I mean, just as an example, when I first started bear hunting, I was taking a firearm to run bait with me every single time. Oh, now, yeah. Yep. I Same thing in, as me. <laughs> I'm walking in the dark with nothing. Maybe I might have a knife, 
but I will walk into the yeah. dark and you know because I mean last year I was baiting early early morning before work and I would walk in there and I sometimes had a knife you know and that wasn't yeah. and actually my concern wasn't the bears it was the wolves <laughs> yep yeah so, so, I mean, the bear hunting danger is coming from something else and that's kind of how it is to me too yeah. I don't I maybe I'm complacent or, or just right. I, I don't know I think I'm no I'm aware of it but yeah I don't I don't feel that it's dangerous at all. Now, yeah. if you're hunting in grizzly country, yeah. you're, you're going to have some issues with grizzly bears. And, and so there's, there's risks of being out in the hills bear hunting mm-hmm. that are dangerous. But I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily say hunting a bear is more dangerous than hunting a mountain goat or a sheep where you could fall off a cliff. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's way low. And I think there's there's things that happen in the woods and out in the out in the countryside that that happened during the spring that might cause danger. If you're hunting in the Wyoming and Wyoming or the Rocky mountain West anymore, you got to be cognizant of grizzly bears and other things, but that typically is not something that is because you're a bear hunting. I, I think it's just being out in general. So yeah, I don't think it's very dangerous at all. No, no matter of fact, I mean, I've come closer to death from a white tailed deer than I have a bear. I walked up on a, uh, on a young rutting buck that I had just shot and uh, I came up on it too quickly and it was still dying and uh, it got up and tried to uh, impale me with its small antlers. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. I mean, white are more dangerous than bears sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. So <laughs> that was yeah. stupid. No, that was stupid. But anyway, I shot it with a big gun. I thought it would be dead. I really did. But yeah. anyway, he was, he was, he wanted to live, but anyway, okay. He was, yeah, the fight, fighting for his life. Yep. He ate good though. So whatever. That's good. <laughs> uh, all right. Next question. How much bait do you need? And, and then next to that is how do you set your bait? Yeah, so I guess how much bait you need depends on, you know, how many baits you're going to put out and, and all that. You know, typically, if we set our baits, I mean, I guess that question might be leaning towards, like, how do you set it in, in the areas, assuming you found food water cover. Yeah. I, I like to set mine in the timber yeah. with good cover on a trail because mm-hmm. bears are lazy. They're just like people. They don't want to walk on rocks and logs if they can walk on a trail. Yeah. That they will walk on a trail over anything else. I walk down a dang road. So I try and find a good corridor for travel for them, a, a good trail, and I try and put it on that. And so out here, you know, in Idaho and Wyoming, there's some laws against what you can use um, and what you have to use to, to contain your bait. And, and you can use plastic in Wyoming. I know in Idaho, I don't think you can use plastic. You got to use metal in Idaho, I believe. So you have to use a drum. Yeah. And, and there is some areas in, in the country where you don't have to use anything, but I typically like to have mine on a trail system. And, and so always setting up where the wind is going to be in your favor is so crucial with bears. Yeah. Um, that, that's their, that's their sense of anything is smell. They, mm-hmm. That's their baby. That's their go-to. So always try and set up where the wind's going to be right. And they're not going to set up where you would have to walk through their bedding ground to get to your bait, obviously. Yeah. You know, if you feel the bears are going to come from the north, you don't want to start baiting farther north and walk right through that. You want to come from an area where they're not going to get disturbed if they're bedding or in that area. Set it up real quick. Get in, get out. 
and set your stand up that's going to be relatively quiet and easy to sneak into and, and make sure the wind's right. So I kind of look for that. And, and if you're in the forested area and you got enough cover, you can usually find multiple stands to hang or multiple trees to hang a stand in yeah. um, or a ground blind. But, and then I always build a crib. Um, I like that for the fact that it can provide you better shot angles, you know, better shot opportunities. It makes the bears work a little bit for it. Um, I always crib mine up and then we always cover it. Every time we're done baiting, we put the logs back on the barrel and stuff and we put grease on that. So they, they have to touch it with their pads and carry that around. And, and so that's kind of like the short and sweet of it. I mean, that's another question that could, we could go for (laughs) hours upon hours on wind and stand selection and, but I, as far as putting the bait in the barrel too, I kind of, if I have a lot of bread and I know it's like the first bait of the season, you know, we get a ton of rain out here in the spring and snow. So I try and put the stuff that's going to spoil in the bottom because I don't want it to get wet. And I kind of layer it in there. And, and so that way, if it's something they don't like, if they work a little bit more, there's a chance they'll get to something they do like. Um, and I try and always put some sweets and mix in the layers and then cover it up so good that the squirrels and the ravens can't get it. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of how we set it. Um, we've had the same bait sets for many years, and every once in a while we'll move it within 100, 200 yards, you know, just to kind of get a different look and maybe try something different. But, yeah, um, pretty pretty standard. Out here there's a lot of rules on where you can set up against water. Okay. You know, you got to be a certain distance from water, a certain distance from a road, a certain distance from a building. So that really limits you, too, when you're looking at a good trail or something. If you got to – if it's a if it's a maintained trail, you got to be off of that so far, yeah. and if it's a water source, you got to be away from that so far. And so you really got to kind of watch all those things too when you're setting your bait. At least out here, I'm not sure about how it is in your neck of the woods, but yeah. So, um, you know, okay, it's funny the different regulations in throughout the country because here, you know, in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, for instance. Um, you cannot use a barrel on public land. Uh, and, and huh. it has to be in, in Wisconsin, the bait has to be contained in Michigan and Minnesota. It does not, but you cannot use any, you cannot contain the bait in anything artificial, except for if you are in Michigan or Minnesota, you can use a barrel, but it has to be on private land. And so it's hmm. just funny, the different mentalities, you know, in that some places, you, like I know in Alaska, you have to use a barrel, you know? Yep. And so, yep. so basically for one thing, you know, to answer the question, figure out what your local regulations say, because it really varies, you know, and completely different yeah, mindsets it about it. And so, but, um, so in my neck of the woods, um, typically what I do to set the bait, um, once I found a good area, um, so I always set up my bait where the bears are going to have a covered path to the bait. So I figure out where the bears are probably going to be bedding and coming from. You know, like Joe said, you want to make sure that your approach is, you know, not going through the bears bedding area. You know, you don't want to be bumping bears on your way to the bait. And so, and never, even once you set the bait, do not ever go into the bears zone. You know, there's, there's the bears land and you go, you stay Mm -hmm. in your path, you go bait and that's it. You don't go venturing out like, hmm, I wonder what's over here. Don't do that. Just stay, you know, because yeah, bears totally tend to agree. bed That's very, very, very close to the bait. So if you go, huh, well, you know, I bet some bait here, but I wonder what's over 100 yards here. You're probably walking past where that bear's bedding. 
you know, so don't do and that. not to mention you're laying down a ton of scent oh, yeah. that they're not used to outside of that scent zone that's by the barrel. And bears are so sensitive to scent. It is crazy. Yep. I mean, I've had bears so sensitive that if I, cause I tend to wear, this is, this is my thing is I wear these same baiting clothes all season long. I don't care how much they stink, yep. how disgusting they are. I wear, I, but I do not wear them elsewhere. I switch into my baiting clothes out in the woods, and I walk in there with the same shoes, the same clothes, everything, and that's it. And then when I leave, I take them off and whatever. And so yep. because what I found is if you go in there with a bunch, you know, if you've been in town, you got some city smells on you or something, you walk out to that bait site in that same clothes, those bears notice that. They really, really oh, yeah. do. And so, I mean, not all yep. bears, your younger bears don't, but I'll tell you what, a big boar notices for sure. Yeah, so, absolutely. So yeah, can't agree more with that. But um, anyway, so what I do, um, I make sure that there's a covered pack for the bears to basically be able to appear at the bait. You know, I don't have to see them coming, you know, you know, where, where I live is very, very thick woods where the bears are at. And so, you mm-hmm. know, I don't mind if the bears just appear on the bait. As long as they're comfortable and they don't have to worry, they feel comfortable coming out in the daylight there, that's where I want to set up my bait. Now, um, what I do when I actually place my bait, so I do the pit method. So I either find a natural indentation in the ground or I dig a hole, and then I get really big logs. I don't like to go cut logs. I just find dead trees that are nearby, especially big ones. And um, I try to, you know, like broken up sticks and stuff. And I cover that bait is, is, you know, once I actually lay the bait in the pit, I cover it with those logs. And so what I'll do with the bait is I lay the good stuff like, you know, because I use a variety of baits. But I'll lay, leave the good stuff like the, my trail mix or something in the bottom. And then I sort of put my, my filler baits on top of that. And, you know, I'll layer it. Like, if I got a pail of frosting, I'll throw the pail of frosting in there, you know, in the middle layer or whatever. And I just I layer it with whatever. And that way, with mm-hmm. the good stuff, if the bears want to go for that first, what they'll do is they'll dig through that bait. And that way, when they mm-hmm. dig through the bait, they get as much of that bait on their paws as they can. Especially if there's something sticky in there, like like frosting or molasses or something. And then they create nice mm-hmm. scent trails. And so that's yep. one thing I do. And then so then I cover up the bait with the logs. And then on top of the logs, they either pour molasses or grease or something like that on top of uh, on top of the logs. Or I spray it with like attractant sprays because that's basically an oil. Yep. And so you get they, yep. the move those logs to get to the – and then you make sure that those logs are big enough to where nothing else is going to move them but a bear. And so – because especially yeah. around here, we have so many little critters like raccoons and things like that that will get into the bait. And you don't want them eating the bait, especially if it takes a while for the bears to find the bait. You don't want those little critters coming because they'll – I mean, ra- uh, army of raccoons will clean out a bear bait very fast and uncover bear bait. I've watched little squirrels take donut and bagel after bagel after bagel in a night. Oh. Yeah. And it is amazing what those little critters will do to your bait. Oh, yeah. You know, one of the funniest things I've seen is I've had a pine martin come in taking donuts. Or, it, no, it wasn't donuts. It was oh. muffins. It was the funniest thing. Like, it's a pine martin. It's like, you're like a pure predator. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, you definitely want to keep them out as much as you can. 
And so that's why you cover it with the logs. And also the bears, they move the logs and uh, they get the, the grease or whatever on their, their paws and that creates scent trails and bear, other bears will find it. So that's what I do. And then my tree stand, you know, it depends. Usually it's so thick because, I mean, I typically, even though I hunt over bait, I do a lot of rifle hunting. Um, even you would think that it'd be smart to get as far away as I can, but oftentimes it's so thick. I'm basically in archery range anyway, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, that's yeah, that's thing. for sure out there. Yeah, so. But, uh, and then how much bait do you need? Like, going back, it depends on your situation. Um, a number I've heard from a lot of people, and it all depends, obviously. It depends on how many bears you got or whatever. But um, typically, if you put a 55-gallon drum out of loose um, bear bait, you know, like, like a small stuff like oats or granola or trail mix or something like that, if you fill, or even dog food, um, and especially if you've got a barrel that's got like a, a like a bung on it that limits the amount, it sort of meters how much food comes out of there. That can last for about a week. It depends though. I mean, I've heard of baits in Canada that yeah. go through, you know, three barrels every two days. You know, and I've also, I mean, there's baits I know of that a, a barrel will last two weeks. You know, it, it all depends on how many bears you got. So um, it's true. And like we'll we use those we don't use the 55 gallon drums or the 35 gallon big plastic drums fit on our packs better. But yeah, you know, if we each bring up, Oh, I don't know. We'll easily put a hundred pounds of bait in that thing when we fill it the first time, Yeah, you know, and that's just to get you started. Right. And then they will knock down one bear can knock down in a couple of days that no problem. If you got multiple bears on a site, you're going to go through hundred pounds if it's busy time of year and they're hitting it, that you're going to go through that very fast. So, I mean, you are going to need, if you plan on baiting for two months, you're going to need three, four 500 pounds of bait probably. Yep. Yep. Definitely. So, yeah. So in my guess, and that's where it comes back to find what you can in bulk for cheap because you will go through it and you don't want to, you don't want to, I guess you don't want to run them short halfway through the season and you're out of bait. And then where you at when you got this big, big chocolate boar coming in that you want to kill and you're out of bait. <laughs> yep. Cause guess what? <laughs> you know, He's so gone. It, He's not sitting around like, hmm, it, it, I wonder where that's no. going. Where that, if that bait's coming back. He's gone. <laughs> and I've, I've been surprised at how much they'll eat, you know, and, and when they get really going, they can, they can sure put the groceries away. That's for dang sure. Yep. For sure. Yeah. I mean this last year, I mean, to be honest, I mean this last year I was going through, well, I was going through on my Michigan bait, and there was, you know, five to ten bears. I was probably going through, I'd say, a barrel every three days, you know. Yeah, I, mean, but I that can was still a, see that, yep. Yeah, but I was, that's an established bait site where bears have been yep. there for generations, you know, and they know this. Yep. And there wasn't much natural food either, so... That, yep. that, you know, that plays a big role too. So, yeah. So that's just say on rough average over a hundred pounds every three days. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's how much bear bait you need. <laughs> if you're in an area like you guys with, you know, thick with bears, good habitat, good cover, yep. lots of moisture and stuff. That's, that's going to be, you know, you get some more of the areas where there's less condensed population or less dense population of them, you know, that might not be the norm, but yep. I, I tell you, I even hear guys out here that go through, Oh man, a lot of bait. It, it yeah. does take a lot to do it right. Yep, exactly, exactly. But the other thing too is if you're the guy that's baiting your your site every day, every other day, you know, five to ten gallons mm -hmm. a day, every other day might be enough. 
you know? So it all depends. Yeah, yep. It all depends. So, in which you're not going to go through that much bait. But anyway, okay. Uh, next question. Do you call bears? That's easy for me. No, I don't. <laughs> no you don't <laughs> no look i mean like you know my typical hunts here are in the fall and it just does is not conducive bears are not going to come to calls in the fall um they have so much natural food now if if michigan had a spring season i would for sure go to where i know there's a lot of deer fawns and i would predator call because the bears around here hammer a whitetail fawns they, I mean, there, yeah. there's areas where 15%, I mean, it's studied 15% of the white tails in certain areas uh, of those fawns get killed by just black bears every spring, you know? So, I mean, if you put out a predator call there, I'm sure I would be effective, but you know, bears oh, yeah. are never, ever going to prey on a fawn when there's, you know, a raspberry, a, a bumper crop of raspberries or blackberries. You know, there's no yeah. reason for them. They're going to get more nutrition out of that than a fawn probably, you know? And so, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. It's, Go ahead. it's super effective out here in the springtime. Um, I've done it quite a few times and still kind of leave it in my bag of tricks. If I need to, I got a fawn decoy, a mule deer fawn decoy that I, that I'll have with me. If I know I'm going into areas where I might do that, um, you know, using a fawn bleed or a rabbit in a stress call can work wonders out here, especially as the season. So, you know, when they come out of their dens early in the spring, they're not hitting carn. They're not carnivores. Basically they're, they're eating grass yeah. and that's what they got to do until they can get their belly right. And they can get kind of their mind right and, and get set up and established kind of, and feel good about themselves. And then they'll start really ranging and looking for stuff like that. And they know these fawn grounds and these calving grounds and they hit them these big boars will hit them every year they go to the same places and they know them elk are going to be there them deer are going to be there and such a great way to hunt bears is with the call but you know what i've found with them too is they lose interest faster than a lot of things will mm-hmm. like if they can't see it's so it's so nice if you can see them because if you can see them and you're calling you can and you stop a lot of times you'll see them stop yeah. And you can watch and say, okay, I got to keep going. But if you're kind of just cold calling in an area, I mean, you just really got to keep calling, keep calling, keep calling, keep calling. You can't really shut her down. Cause if one is coming from a, a greater distance, um, it, it, not every time, but I've seen them hang up when you stop calling. Yeah. Um, so it's really kind of effective to just keep calling, keep calling, keep calling. But man, if you can spot one at, at, a, at a good distance and say you're you don't have time to close the deal, but you think you can maybe get that bear in closer, you know, and, and calling works and it, it's a great way out here. And there's a lot of guys, man, you look at Oregon, oh, man, there's yeah. some guys out in Oregon and Washington that are, they call like crazy and it works so good out there and uh, it works good in Montana. We've done it up there a bunch. I don't hear many guys around this in Wyoming doing it, but you can also bait. So yeah. it, I think it's become more of a tried and true method in areas with no bait. Yeah. because uh it just gives you another uh tool in the toolbox so yeah for sure call and it works great in certain areas yeah yep definitely so yep good stuff okay next question uh what times of day do you hunt oh uh mostly 80 percent of the time if i'm hunting over bait i'm hunting in the late afternoon evening mm-hmm. um I will sit in the morning if I see one on the camera that's like a morning bear. Yeah. Um, I will do that. Mm-hmm. Spot and stock hunting, I hunt whenever I can. 
Um, typically see most of the bears in the evening. Um, have really started to kind of appreciate the morning more than I ever have, mm-hmm. um, especially later in the season as it gets hotter and stuff, because it takes a lot longer for it to cool off and the bears to come out at night than yeah. it does for it to get hot in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so I find that the morning sometimes can really be effective and you don't see a lot of guys that bear hunt in the morning and we'll, you, you, you'll tend to see some bears in the morning and it could be a really good time to go. Yeah. And middle of the day, never rule it out. So when I'm spotting stock hunting, I usually, if I know, like say I got to get up work and go and, and that's an evening hunt, no brainer. But you know, if you got a whole weekend or, you know, say we, we went to Montana this year and had three, four days of hunting in this new area. And you know, we were out at all day, mm-hmm. you know, hiking drainages glass. And, you know, we spent all day out doing, doing it. And, and so if you can be out there, be out there, but the most effective times for me anyways, have been in the evenings over bait and, and spot and stock have been in the late, late, late evenings like that witching hour, hour before dark, half hour before dark. Yeah. And it could be, it could be because I, I hunt mostly in the evenings though. You know, if I only hunted in the mornings, I might say my best time to do it is a half hour after sunlight, but you know, I think you'll, you'll read a lot and talk to a lot of people that have found that that evening works really good, but, I would never discount out the mornings if you can go spot and stock hunting and be out there in the morning. If you've got a day, spend the day. A yeah. lot of bears are killed at two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah. You, you, you'll never know unless you're out there. So yeah, but bait's a little trickier. You you can't just go and sit on a bait all day. And most people don't have that luxury. So you got to mm-hmm. use your cameras and use the time that you have wisely. And so, you know, if if it's a morning hunt and I have to do that to try and get a bigger bear, I'll, I'm definitely going to sit in the morning. But very rarely do we have those. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, this is, I mean, that's kind of my my thing too. Is you got to read your trail cameras. So I ha- I have shot a bear at nine o'clock in the morning. Um, wasn't mm-hmm. my biggest bear, but um, you know, you got to know when the bears are coming in. That that particular bait just it didn't have a whole lot of big bears but um it was my second bear and there was just a lot of morning activity every single morning there was a bear on the bait and so Mm -hmm. um you know i took advantage of that it was successful but that being said most bears are killed in the late afternoon early evening um but you you just got to watch your trail cameras you know don't don't discount anything don't rule out anything don't go no i'm not gonna you know you got to do you can't make the bears come to you. You got to go to the bears. So whatever they're doing, you yep. know, um, you but... know, we have that happen here a couple of years ago with a really good friend of mine came down from Montana to hunt and, you know, he sat two, three nights and didn't see a bear. And, you know, we got a lot of bear activity on the cameras. And I said, well, maybe switch it up and sit in the morning. I don't know. You got a limited amount of time to hunt. So I would yeah. sit in the morning, go back, eat some lunch, take a rest and then go sit at night. And that first morning he sat, it was the first bear we've ever killed in that area off a of bait in the morning. And he couldn't believe it. And I couldn't, I couldn't either when he told me he did it. So, you know, just, he had the chance to do it, but that was one of those instances where it wasn't on the camera. That bear came in brand new that day. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So, <clears throat> you know, and, and the other thing about this is if you're a hound hunter, that's all you hunt is the mornings <laughs> Yep. because <laughs> you don't yep. want to let your dogs loose at night. <laughs> So, no, you don't. No, yeah. you don't. And it is, I hunted up in uh, Alberta with an outfitter. He didn't have a camera on um, 
on this stand and, and it was getting just hammered. And there, he told me the year before there's a big bear in there and you can kill two bears up there yeah. where I was at. I still hadn't shot one. This is my last day of hunting. And I kind of went up there and helped them bait and do some stuff. And, mm-hmm. and it was kind of a mutual deal. And so I'm up there and I think I sat the last day with no camera. So I don't know when they're coming in. Um, I was hunting the evening every night, not seeing this big bear. So I said, I'm going to sit basically from sun up to sundown. He's like, you're crazy. I said, just packing my lunch, mm-hmm. drop me off, do my thing. And I sat, I don't even know how many hours it was. I got in the stand at like nine earlier than nine. It was like eight and it didn't get dark up there in May until like 11 at night. Yeah. And honestly, the only bears I saw came out at like eight o'clock to dark. Really? <laughs> so I sat that entire time and it was still true to this day that they came out at dark. Yeah. You know, that's just when they came out and the big one didn't come out then either. So it was just like, you know, sometimes that's just what them bears are used to doing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yep. And the other exception to that too, speaking of getting dark late is if you're in Alaska, there's people that literally will sit all night, you know, because it's yep. dark sort of a, there is not really a, a night, you know, so you're no. basically trying to trick those, catch those bears, you know, especially the bigger, older ones. You know, a lot of them know that they if they go in at dark, the hunters can't get them, but dark serve a fuzzy thing. So, I mean, I've yep. heard of stories of people sitting all night and getting a bear right at, you know, um, right at, you know, the last, or I don't know if it's last light or first light. I don't know what you'd call that, but you know what I mean? Somewhere in the twilight to get the bear yeah. when they could actually get a shot. I got a feeling know? like, when you think about it in terms of that, like it makes you wonder if bears even have a, or deer or elk, if it's as much as the light that hits their eye, that trick, they don't know what dark means. No, you no, know, they don't know not. what light means. They no. just know like this, when it starts getting, when the light that hits their eyes is less yeah. or more, I think they know that triggers their habits to move and stuff. And so it's interesting when you talk about Alaska, because what's that trigger for that bear to move at, at night? Right. You know, when it's, it, it does get dimmer. Yeah. But, you know, maybe they have a different. And so you always wonder, too, is do we hold darkness and and do we hold the times of day too highly when these bears might just move (laughs) whenever the heck they want because they're hungry? You know, it's like exactly. Yeah, because they're definitely not like, oh, 845. I should probably get up and hit the bait. (laughs) It's going to be dark in 15 minutes and that guy's going to leave. Yep. They're more thinking. That guy's there's something there at nine o'clock every time I walk by and I see him or smell him. Yeah. And so they we make him stay late and not come <laughs> in until late. But if you stayed there all night long, yeah, they might be there in the daytime. Exactly. They're like, oh, there's a guy here all night. I'm gonna come in during the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They don't know day and dark. So I always tell people that too. I'm just like, man, sit all night long. And you'll start having them there in the day, but you won't be there either. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, one quick point about the hunting the mornings, though. So the problem with hunting the mornings is when do you go in on the bait? Because a lot of times you have bears yeah. on the bait. You know, say it gets dark at six o'clock or it gets light at six o'clock. There will be bears on the yep. bait at like four or five o'clock, and they may be there all throughout first light. So how do you sneak Biggest the, challenge. the yep. trick and and that's tricky. Um, that hunt where I shot that bear that it's morning, I, I walked into the bait, you know, and I knew I was like, all right, there's always bears here. I know I'm going to bump a bear off the bait. I don't care because I literally, that year was just phenomenal. I had, I mean, I'm not even exaggerating. There was like 15 to 20 different bears hitting that bait. It was just stupid. Um, it was yeah. so crazy. So I'm like, whatever, I'm going to get on the bait and I'm going to shoot the first bear that comes in this morning. 
and um yep. and the problem is that bear you know bumped off the bait and then it got curious about me and came up the tree you know mm-hmm. so it's like it's that's a tricky thing so with morning hunts you got you could bump them to like and and it seems like the one they're in the morning on our cameras and stuff and what i've seen it's at five you know it they're in there an hour before light yeah yep so Almost when always. are you going to go in there? Yeah. And so it's a really a challenging thing. And I think that's why you see less guys doing it in the morning. Yeah. Not because they're not there. Right. It's just how do you, you sit all night long or if you're a rifle hunter and you can get back and kind of, maybe you can find a spot 90 to a hundred yards away that you yeah. could sneak into. That works good ideal. too. We've done that. But then ideal. if you're going to, if you have to be in a stand, that's, that's tough. Cause yeah. they could be in there and then you bump them. And if it's a big boar, Oh yeah, it's it's, it's going to be tough to get yeah, back I would, in. I would yeah. never if you if you're especially an archery hunter or hunting really close to the bait, and you had a morning big bear, I would never ever I would never try it. <laughs> yeah, there's just no way. The only re- yeah, I should caveat that the only reason I did that is that I went in that morning is like I'm just going to bump a bear off is because I had so many bears and I had no big ones yeah. for whatever reason. None of the big ones around. It was just like a bunch of you know 130 yeah. to 200 pound bears. And I was at, that was just kind of the point where like, all right, I'm going to shoot a bear for me. You know, any of these are pretty much good, (laughs) you know? Yeah. 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 It didn't matter. So that, that, yeah, there's always a thing you can't take. There's always a little bit of a backstory to everything. So when you hear a a story about something, you got to know the background behind it. So yeah, (laughs) cause cause otherwise, you know, somebody would have went, Oh yeah, well, that guy on the bear hunting podcast, he said he just doesn't care. He just goes and bumps bears off he the bait and hunts. <laughs> yeah, you got to preface the story first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, oh, funny. All right, so the next two questions, we're going to break our rules a little bit. I'm going to let you go first because these are very up your alley and not mine. Yeah, so, these are good questions. <laughs> yeah, so, all right. So the first one is in Wyoming, certain areas you can only bait with unprocessed bait, meaning mostly meaning meat scraps from livestock and wildlife, not for human consumption. I was curious if anyone has any tips slash tricks for this type of baiting. That's interesting. Yeah. So that is, uh, so there's two different, there's processed and unprocessed baits in Wyoming. Okay. So unprocessed bait is anything that's basically not man-made. Okay. Because, um, you know, your your granola and stuff like that, you can use wheat, and or not wheat, but I guess sweet mix and stuff like that, oats, and I believe you can use grain and stuff like that. But you can't go to the store and buy bread and give it to the bears. And, okay. and it's a, it's a they put that in place to kind of keep these bears from getting habituated to human food where there's maybe more of an issue with, like with humans and it's a super tough thing for those guys that have to bait with that and you know in wyoming too you cannot use parts of an animal that you require a permit to harvest okay so you can only use basically um how do i want to say this uh not predators but um non-game species you know like uh something like that you can use but you can't use you know a deer or an elk carcass you can't use a fish that you had to have a permit to catch. Okay. So it, it gets really challenging because you have to use like uh, cattle or sheep or anything like that. And then basically at that point, my, my biggest suggestion to people like that is bears will typically eat just about whatever you give them. 
Mm-hmm. But you got to get him to the site. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get him there. That's that's, and I think most people at Bait Hunt would agree that getting him there is ninety percent of it. And once you got him there, they'll eat. Yeah. So the for this person that that asked this question in the state of Wyoming, you can use artificial scent, and it's Mm -hmm. not considered bait. Yep. So you can use an artificial attractant to bring the bears into your location. Okay. It's not considered bait. Yep. So that person would technically not be using process bait. He would be using an artificial attractant. You can use an artificial attractant in the grizzly recovery area to attract black bears. Okay. But you can't have a food source there. Okay. So it's kind of a weird thing. So granted, you can't use process bait, and you're not going to be able to use all the good stuff that we talked about before. Right. But you can use some artificial attractants to draw them into that site. Mm-hmm. And once you're in there... You know, bears love meat. I, I I feed meat towards the end of the spring all the time. I just like to switch it up and see what happens. And yeah. so they'll eat a lot of that meat and grain. You know, grain. You, you granted you can't use um, you can't use fryer oil. You know, that's processed. But there's there's probably some really good alternatives out there to it. And and I would say I'm spoiled because I've never had to fight that fight. But you know, <laughs> I've always kind of understood that it's out there. Yeah. But using the artificial attractants would be my first thing. And, and then using, you know, grain and filler food. Um, and then anything you can get, um, I guess I would say you can't use brain. You can use oats and barley and grain and corn and all that stuff you can use. Apples, any of that stuff that you can use that's natural. I mean, just throw it all at them, but get them there first. Okay. Because... Yeah. That person's not the only person dealing with that issue either. You know, if they're if they're baiting in that area, everyone's on the same playing field. They're supposed to be legally. So those bears aren't that used to finding uh, a barrel full of jelly donuts. Yeah. They're used to finding a barrel of rotten cattle or, or, or sheep, or they're used to finding a barrel full of oats with nothing yeah. on it. Yeah. So you kind of – they're not used to it. So you're all right there, but you got to get them there. And I would say scent is the most important thing. But you can – in Wyoming – and there's not a lot of people that know about it, but it's in the regulations that you can use an artificial, um, an artificial attractant, and it's not considered bait. Okay, that's key. Yeah, because you know I didn't dig super super deep into the actual wording of that, but you know, in the way I thought it, I wasn't sure if grains were allowed. And so like my, and, and Wyoming's not the only place to do that. I know in North Carolina. Uh, don't quote me on this. But I'm pretty sure it's North Carolina. Some there's a southern state. I'm pretty sure it's North Carolina that on private land you can bait bears, but you cannot use anything processed. You know, just like that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, for for folks like that, I would I would think that grain um, would be like your best bet for bait. I mean, and bears love meat and stuff. Yeah, and too. I think. But, I think as long as you don't use something that's like artificially sweetened, okay, like sweet mix is artificially sweetened. They put yeah. molasses in sweet mix. Yeah, I yep. don't think you could use that. And that's I should have done my homework a little bit better. I mean, I understand it, but I think you can use like just natural grain, anything that is not basically made by humans. Okay, you can use. Okay, and so yeah, it, it is definitely a challenge, and and you got these things coming out, but. You know, grain's a good thing. That's a great filler or corn. 
yeah, any of that corn. stuff. Bears are really into corn. Bears um, love corn. We, we got them so bad anymore. They're down in the lowlands, and and that's not typical for them in these cornfields. And they're eating that corn all fall long. Oh yeah. And they make just like they do in North Carolina, where you see the big mazes of bears. They do that out here too. So you know, corn's a good thing. But I would imagine that baiting in the fall in an area where you can't use processed bait would be more effective than the spring because you're using basically carrion, mm-hmm. rotten meat that they're already looking for, Yeah, corn they're already after. You know, when they first come out of their den, it might be tough for them to go right into the meat. Right, yeah. And when they come out of their den, it might be tough for them to go right into some of that other stuff. So it's an interesting thing. And I, I got some buddies that, that do hunt over in that kind of part of Wyoming, and I should really pick their brain about what, what some of their tips and tricks are for doing it. Yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah, it's good stuff. And and I mean, even even around here, I mean, you know, competing with natural foods, I do find that I will mix corn into my bait around here. So like my granola yeah. mix I was telling you about, um, especially later in September, I will mix start mixing corn into there. Especially if I start running out of oats, I'll substitute the yeah. oats for my for corn and make like a corn granola. It's so weird, but I basically yeah. make a bear. Well, granola no bears corn. know what's good for them. Oh yeah, they, they know they don't have to be told. They know that that's got good fat content, good. Pr- that that's good for them and so they're going to key in on stuff like that because it takes less energy to consume yep. and they can conserve more energy to put more fat on so yep exactly exactly and some about bears too bears have a very uh short digestive tract and so they have trouble digesting things so if you're feeding them really processed foods like there's a lot of guys around here they get like cookie dough and stuff right that is like yeah i mean you have trouble digesting that Right. So a bear, if you look at their scat, there's always unprocessed stuff or there's undigested stuff in there, you know, whether it be corn or oats, you always find like bits of, of that in there that they couldn't digest. So, you know, if you want a bear to keep coming to your bait consistently, give them stuff they can digest easily because it's easier on their stomachs. And so they'll come and feed more. But if they're, you know, if they're going and eating really processed stuff, they're, they're not going to hit it as much because it can't digest it so oh it's true it's true so that doesn't have really much to do with that question but a little side fact (laughs) (laughs) kind of though i mean sort of yeah we're still talking about process for some process but yeah yeah, i got a firm belief that like we'll have bears that hit it really fast really early in the season like the first time they get there and they disappear for two or three days and i i believe they're off nursing a bellyache is what i always say i'm like they disappear for two days they're gone nursing a bellyache because they get to that, and that first time they just crush the bait. They put so much food down their throat, oh, and crazy. they just have that mass sitting in their belly. I'm like, that's got to hurt their guts. Oh, man, I know, I know. <laughs> so I'm just like, they're back They're back laid up somewhere in the dark timber, resting their bellies and getting <laughs> getting, getting everything back and processing. Exactly, especially when there's not other natural food out, because you know they didn't drift off to that. Yep. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so good stuff, cool. Okay. Um, yeah, and the other thing too with the uh, on uh, with like using meat and stuff uh, is um, bears tend not to like really really rotten stuff from what I've seen at least around here for fall baiting. Is that true in the spring there? Yeah, I mean they won't eat. You know the grizzly bears are big, a lot more of a meat eating. Um, you know, kind of a meat driven. You know, they'll come out of their dens and they'll be in Yellowstone eating on a buffalo carcass that, 
the buffalo is dead since yeah. January. Yeah. You know, and they'll, they'll, they'll be more driven to that meat. Black bears tend to like the fresher stuff, I think, and fat and stuff like that. Um, I've, I've seen them tear apart an old bear carcass that's old, but, you know, it's only a day or two old. So I don't know how much of that rotten maggoty meat that they're going to eat. Okay. I yep. think they tend to prefer kind of the fresher stuff. Now, it, it's hard to say in the fall when they're fam and they're and they're really into that hyperphagia and they're trying to get in. They might eat just about anything, but, yeah. you know, we don't feed them. Typically what they'll eat, the good we, we just get scraps and we go to the butcher shop and just get buckets full of scraps and chicken. I mean, they love chicken. Yeah. I, I chicken's one of my go-tos. And so, you know, they like that stuff fresh, but I've had meat in, in once it kind of dried out and got, you know, past that rancid state almost in, mm-hmm. in a cage, they, they won't touch it. They didn't touch it. Now I don't know if that's just cause they didn't like it then, but you know, typically it seems like the fresher, it can have a smell to it, but just not, you know, all, maggoty and i don't know if they'll eat that i'm not really sure okay yeah and i i mean i haven't had them eat it here but you know there's also a lot better natural foods for them to be eating here that time of year yeah. so you know that's hard to yep. say so but okay cool all right next question um you got time right yeah okay all right cool okay so next question um how to keep grizzly bears off your bait in the area I hunt, <laughs> it states in the regulations that if a grizzly is hitting a black bear bait, that the hunter must contact Wyoming Game and Fish immediately, and the warden will remove the bait. So in other words, you are done baiting for the season. So what this hunter is saying Basically. is he doesn't want his all his hard work to go to waste because Mr. Grizz showed up. What do you do? Amen to that. Yeah, that is a very becoming increasingly common, more common uh, issue with guys in Western Wyoming and Eastern Idaho. Mm-hmm. Um, Island Park area around Idaho in Idaho is they're having this issue out there and, and, and they're starting to have a lot more of the issues. Um, south of Cody here, there's an area you can bait that's in the grizzly. Um, it's in a recovery. It's in the conservation area. So it's basically you can't bait bears inside that grizzly recovery area, mm-hmm. but because they've spewed out of that and they're just, they're, they're moving so far South and so far East and so far West into Idaho that the bears are in areas that per regulations in the past have always allowed baiting. Okay. And so now we got grizzly bears in areas where they haven't been. And now there's, they're, they're, they're hitting these baits and, you know, I'm not sure that I didn't know a, a, a foolproof method. I know in Idaho anyways, I've heard uh, a couple of my friends not feed as much meat. If you're, if you are feeding meat, okay. because them grizzly bears are looking for more meat based diet. Um, whereas the black bears seem to eat, they'll eat some of the other stuff. Now this is just totally stuff that I've heard that has worked. Now some other person might say no, the opposite, but I've been told that, you know, don't give them as much meat. Um, but, you know, a bear's attracted to scent. Any scent that is, is food-based to them, they're going to come to. Yeah. So I guess I don't know how to, like, tell you if you have grizzly bears in the area and your barrel is there to attract a bear, they, they can smell as good or, or more than a black bear. How are we going to prevent them from visiting the site? And I just don't have concrete enough answer and and 
safety becomes an issue there too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you, you definitely, it sucks because your season is basically over. You can bait in the fall again, but you were done in the spring and, and it's a tough thing. Um, yeah. At least in Wyoming, I know that's the rules. Um, it, it's a tough deal. And um, I'm thankful that we're still allowed to bait in those areas because that was a right that we had before the grizzly bears were there. And we fought really hard a couple years ago in Idaho because mm-hmm. that right is one the sportsmen had. We said the grizzly bear cannot dictate what rights sportsmen have. And that right to bait in these areas was here before the bears. And so they kept it, but it's, it's kind of, it's dangerous. And, and sometimes they're not there, but sometimes they are. And I've seen pictures of five grizzly bears on one bait barrel and <laughs> I'm not going in there if I'm baiting it. You know, I, I, I think in my, my honest opinion, if I had to try anything, yeah, I would feed less meat and try and keep, if, if you got a good bear area, just hopefully then black bears will find it naturally yeah. and try to keep, you know, find it without putting out too much scent mm-hmm. and feed less meat and rot and stink and stuff. And, and hopefully the grizzly bears don't find it. But the second they do, you're obligated to call the Wyoming game and fish and, and, and turn it in. And they might take it case by case and say, you know what, that was a fluke thing. Go ahead. But I, I think because of the safety issue, they're going to probably have you remove that bait. And they don't want that grizzly bear to get habituated to human food. That's yeah. another reason in those areas that you can't use processed bait. Right. Yeah. Because if sense. a grizzly bear does get into something like that, then they're ripping <clears throat> a trailer door open and killing people for, for you know, bread. Yeah, or a bag of cookies or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yep. a, that's such a tough thing. I always feel for those those folks that are baiting in those areas, you know, especially if it's a traditional area, they baited their whole lives or their family has, and they've got these sites and then all of a sudden they got a grizzly bear problem. And it, I feel so frustrated for them. I I don't have an answer and I don't think there's a foolproof method. I've been with the trapping guys when they've trapped grizzly bears and stuff. And I know what they use to get them in those culvert traps is mostly meat, Mm -hmm. um, rotten meat. So I, I, I look at that and say, well, maybe those grizzly bears are keyed in on more on something like that. Yeah. Maybe it's just because it stinks more. But I, I would think that is probably more of an attractant to them than it would be to a black bear. Yeah. So if you can maybe mitigate that, might be something that's worth trying. Yep, yep. Yeah, and I mean, I've never baited in a grizzly area, but I've heard, you know, the same things. And I've heard um, back in Alaska, before um, they could bait brown bears, um, they basically had the same, they couldn't, uh, I don't, they didn't have to close their baits off if they got brown bears on them, mm-hmm. but you know, it wasn't a good deal to have a big brown bear on your bait. So what they were no. doing, um, some of the, this is just hearsay. This is not, you know, facts for sure. But what I've heard is that a lot of the guys in Alaska figured out that if you're using dog food as a bait, that the brown bears would mm-hmm. come into that more because dog foods, you know, meat based sort of a bait. And mm-hmm. so um, they would avoid using dog food and try to do more like bread or oats or popcorn, especially, you know, <clears throat> and um, yep. that would keep, that would somewhat keep the brown bears off. And then um, yep. the other thing up there is it seemed like later in the season, the brown bears would naturally get off those baits and go and the black bears would take over. But that wouldn't apply to Wyoming because once all it takes is one and you're done. So yeah, yeah, but, yeah. And yeah. then I applaud the the department for allowing those guys to still have that opportunity because sometimes it's a fluke and 
you know, I've heard of guys and I, I can't, I would never say names, but I've heard of guys that don't turn it in, you know, and they just kind of let it dry out yeah. and, and see what happens and then kind of get back in there and do that. Now that's, I wouldn't advocate for that because it's breaking the law and, and yeah. I'd hate to have someone try and dry a side out and then go back in there and get munched by a bear. But yeah. you know, it's a frustrating thing. Um, it's too bad. <clears throat> yeah, definitely is a shame. So yeah, that would not be fun. So, I mean, and just, I mean, I just can't imagine putting a month or two worth, worth of work baiting a bait site. No. Because it is so much it'd work be, and so much money to make your skin crawl, especially if you've had a good bear. And and here's the other thing is those black bears ain't going to be running around a bait with a big grizzly bear in there, especially if it's a sow with some cubs or no. a pretty dominant boar. It's Sayonara. I've seen it out here. They do not. They do not run in the same circles very often. No. And so no. typically it's going to be – that site potentially could be ruined anyways because of the grizzly bear being around there. There's a, a pretty good chance that black bear moved out of the country for a while. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So, yep. So, bummer. But Yeah. So – Hopefully we're hunting them next year, but it'll be very limited. Yeah. And yeah. it won't be over bait. <laughs> yeah. They're I can not going to let you hunt them over bait and it's going to be super limited, but Hey, it's a start. <laughs> it so we'll take start. what we can. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So good stuff. Cool. Uh, a little off topic with that. How is, is, are we totally through litigation with the grizzly bear delisting? Are we? Well, starting January 30 or January, geez. July 31st, uh-huh. the Greater Yellowstone Grizzly Bear, the, the Greater Yellowstone Ecosystem Grizzly Bear in Montana, Idaho, and Wyoming yep. went to state control. Awesome. So you cannot file a lawsuit or anything for 60 days Okay. from that point. So from 60 days from July 31st, they can't file a lawsuit or do anything. Okay. So for 60 days, we got complete control over the bears right now in Wyoming, Idaho, and Montana, the greater Yellowstone bears, not the, we don't have the Northern continental divide bears off the list yet, but the, the greater Yellowstone um, ecosystem bears are, are in state control, okay. go through the litigation here. They'll have 60 days, then they can file, which there will be numerous. Um, there's the tribes filing, there's some anti hunting animal rights organizations filing, but from everything that I'm hearing in, in the circles that, you know, know what they're talking about more than I do. And, and I lean on them heavily for information. The science is there this time, and it's going to be really hard to overturn the ruling, um, especially with the administration we have and stuff. The science is there. You know, what what, what got us all last time, what, what got this thing turned around last time was the white bark pine crop. Yeah. And they didn't say that you don't have enough, and they didn't say that the bears aren't finding it. They just said you don't have enough evidence to show that they can survive without it. Right. And so what has come to fruition over the last few years is, well, obviously we got more bears and the white bark pine crop is declining and has declined. Mm-hmm. So that there's an adverse effect there that's going down, but the population's increasing. And they're also finding that these bears are so much more opportunistic than they thought. They don't rely that heavily on the white bark pine anymore. They, they find them in these moss sites, these army cut moss. They're all up in these shale slides at 10,000, 11,000 feet. Uh-huh. And they're eating these moths, and they're like 100 calories a moth or something weird like that. And they'll just sit up there and eat them all fall. And they said, you know, look at these sites where you're observing 20 bears 
on a site that's learned behavior like they don't have that on record from a long time ago so one day a bear figured that out and then taught their their cubs and it's learned and so they're learning how to adapt without without the white bark pine and so they said you know they they don't need that crop and so with the science being there with the issues we're having um i don't think they're gonna i think we're gonna be fine on this but i mean you you know how it is it it could change in 60 days but i think uh I know that a lot of the people involved are very excited that it's we're at where we're at. Oh yeah, yep, yep. I just hope it goes well for you guys. I mean, we just got a court ruling yeah. here in the Great Lakes region that uh, gray wolves are still on the ESA, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, uh, there. I mean, there's some you know, there's some it, good it, things there, but uh, I mean, overall, yeah. it's still like really, really, but. They put them on the list to get them off eventually, not to keep them on there for for perpetuity. It's so dumb when people are like, well, you know, if they're recovered, but we got to protect them. I'm like, no, they're recovered. They can come off the list. And that was the objective of the whole endangered species list to begin with is to get them back to a level that they're recovered, not to keep them endangered. Exactly. It's it's so crazy. And what we're always just trying to tell people, though, is like we got to just be smart about it, too, you know we're not going to get wholesale hunting season for grizzly bears. And if you think that mm-hmm. they're living in, on Mars, yeah, the, exactly. the, the administration and, and, and the U S fish and wildlife service is going to keep cuts such close tabs on it. Oh, and then yeah. the interagency grizzly bear committee is watching it. And the department, like the, the Wyoming and Idaho and Montana guys, they don't want them back on the list. No. So these no. commissioners that are going to set these seasons are not going to make it so that, these bears get eradicated. They're going to keep it really minimal and it's going to be a shared quota for all three States. So it's going to be such a minute harvest. And that's what people don't understand. And we need to educate the people that are against it and say, we're not going out and eradicating every guy in Wyoming is not going to be carrying a a grizzly bear tag in their pocket. Right. You know, it's going to be so minute and then it's going to be looked at every single year and they're going to look at the overall mortality. And then they're going to say, man, we can afford to take five bears maybe because we had a high mortality year with cars and bears hitting cars and, and depredations and stuff like that. And they're going to say, okay, we can take this many. And so they're going to adjust every year. It's going to be so closely watched that we're not going to really have a problem, but people are so far in brimstone. They think we're going to kill them off and they're going to be extinct. And it's just, it's a silly thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. This, I mean, the gray wolves and, and grizzly bears are like the same. There's just so many, I mean, it's crazy the the stuff that goes around about them. Like with this litigation with yep. the gray wolves, um, you know, they're basically the reason why. And I hope I'm not wrong, but it, it, the way I read the court ruling was that basically the antis argued successfully that um, we didn't have enough evidence to show something about that gray wolves weren't. We didn't have good reasons for why we're taking them off the endangered species list here when gray wolves are absent from 90% of their traditional range. (laughs) And it's like, okay, great. That's awesome. Take our wolves, please. I don't, I don't care. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not like, like jumping up and down about shooting a wolf, but, um, although I was bragging at work the other day that if I shot a wolf, I would try to make a whole patch of wolf sausage and try to eat the whole thing. But anyway, yeah, you got to try it. I I would, you know what? If I shot a wolf, I would try it. I would in worst comes to worst. I'd make a whole batch of wolf sausage. So, Oh yeah. 
I don't know, I'd have to try it. I don't know. I just don't think I could throw it away. I'd, I'd try it. It may no, be no. horrible, but I'd try it. Anyway. But you anyway. got to try it. <laughs> but anyway, I'm not jumping up and down to have a whole batch of wolf sausage in my in my freezer. So, you know, if you want, take my wolves. Have them. Take them. And take them to New York City where you want them. And, and see how that goes yep. for you. <laughs> you know, take them. Yeah. Take them to the suburbs of that Chicago. People just don't Please. understand what it's like to live and 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 kind of have that be a part of your life. Like people out here do with the bears and the wolves or like you guys do up there with the wolves. And, you know, it's, it's easy to be an armchair quarterback from California or somewhere else and say, you know, I really want them to protect that and, and not understand anything about it. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and that's what I find anymore is people just don't understand and, and they're so quick to judge. Mm-hmm. It's oh, really yeah. kind of sad. If you can get them to sit and talk to you without arguing, a lot of times you can, but mm-hmm. it's really hard to get them to sit and not argue and, yeah, and exactly. be filibustering the entire time. <clears throat> yep, exactly. Exactly. That's, that is the thing in, in, in today's age with, you know, information, biased information readily available to you. It's so easy yep. to, you know, get what you want and that's all you need to know. So Yep. To, and, and so when you do talk to somebody from the other side, you know, you automatically put up a fence and you don't listen to what they say. So, yeah, it's true. You know what you mean? But anyway, back to bears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Three questions left. All right. This one <laughs> jumping from one controversial issue to another opinions on broadhead and arrow selection for archery bear. And it's my turn. <laughs> oh, man. So I'm going to lose some listeners here. So here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, all right. So broadheads. Um, let me do a caveat here. So this is going to sound crazy to some of you. But I, as the host of the Bear Hunting Podcast, Matt Schumann, has never actually shot a bear with my bow. Um basically all the hunts I've ever done have been difficult. Um, let me, let me preface this, this a little bit. So basically the, the kind of hunts I choose to do, um, I get, I'm not, my limiting factor is typically like bear numbers or, you know, I've got a super long bait run. Like I'm hunting way up in Canada or way up in Minnesota and, you know, I'm putting in tons of work to even get it to work out for me. Or I'm hunting a Michigan hunt where the bears are about to go in their den. And so they're barely hitting baits or whatever. And so I don't typically hunt bear hunts that have a whole lot of sh- a whole lot of shot opportunities. And so that being said, I tend to use my rifle um, for my bear hunts. Um, that's just what I've done. Um you know, has there been times where, yeah, I could have used a bow. I mean, I've shot bears in bow range all the time just with my rifle, you know. And so, but anyway, typically I've not, I just haven't been, because to me, putting bear meat in the freezer is more important at this point in my life. And um, I just, uh, I don't know, it's just not, I, I'm just not interested in killing a bear with my bow right now i want to put bear meat in the freezer and uh if i was unsuccessful because i chose to use my bow i'd be very upset with that so i've been using my bow so that being said i do 
you know, I don't have personal experience with what Broad had to use for bears, but I do run in circles with people that have uh, tons of experience with this. And so I'm friends with uh, some people that guide up in Michigan, used to guide, and they've killed hundreds and hundreds of bears. Um, and in their opinion, they would not let anyone in their camp use mechanical broadheads. The reason why is because they saw it time and time again that when the mechanical broadhead hit the bear, oftentimes they would deflect, they would hit a rib and deflect and make poor shots and wound bears. The, they would, they just didn't work. And so they preached to me over and over again, never, ever, ever use mechanical heads, use fixed blade broadheads. They go through bears. They don't have problems and they work. And so that's what I know that and use heavy arrows. So that's my piece. <laughs> you... I, I don't disagree with you. Um, and, and I'm pretty, and, and I'll kind of make a bold statement here and say, I'm not the, um, the, uh, go-to, uh, authority on archery equipment and arrow selection and broadheads. I am, efficient enough to have done it on bears a few times mm -hmm. and I'm pretty old school and plain Jane. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a fixed blade, three, three blade, hundred grain guy. That, that's all I use. It's what's worked for me on bears, elk, everything that I've shot with my bow, the same broadhead. Um, yeah. I use a carbon fiber arrow, um, fairly heavy, but, um, you know, with a hundred grade broadhead, you can't get too crazy with your arrow weight. Right. So, um, I, I lean more towards the quick and, and kind of, um, accurate, better shot placement than, than lobbing this giant broadhead and giant <laughs> arrow out there and hoping you plaster the side because shot placement is so crucial with bears anyways. But, oh, yeah. um, I've knock on wood and never had a problem with, with a hundred grain broadhead, three blade fixed. Mm -hmm. And I, I look at it this way and, and, and it's so you know, you, you might work your whole season to get a, 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 a second shot opportunity at potentially the, the bear of your life. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's hard enough to get a shot with a bow. Why leave something else to chance to not work? Yeah. I mean, you already have so many mechanisms that could fail when you're in full draw as it is. Your release could break. String could break. You could have a faulty, your peep could be wrong when you draw back. You could have your, your, um, one of your pins off. There's so many things that can go wrong archery hunting. And then you add another element of mechanized something that can break or not work. Mm -hmm. And I just think it is a risky thing when you can put a, um, and, and I think to be honest with you, people like mechanicals cause they're easier to true up on your arrow. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can screw them right on and there you go. And I'm like, spend another half hour when you're practicing and throw a fixed blade on and, and you don't have to worry about that. But if you, if you are going to use a fixed blade or a, a mechanical, I would just, I mean, I, I've never used one, but I, I I'm pretty, I've seen it. I, I've talked to people, I've read about them and there are guys that believe and they might be right. And I'm not going to say you're wrong for using them, but for me, and if I had to like tell my kid, you're going to hunt with a bow and here's what you're going to use. They're using a fixed plate. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. A broadhead. You know, I just, I just don't want to leave anything more to chance and, and exactly. for something to break. 
Yep, exactly. Yeah, and same here. If if and when I I do use a bow for my bear, I'm definitely using a three blade, you know, broadhead for sure. So yep, no doubt about it. Yeah. So, and you know, and, and that's because let's let's be real. You know, most of the hunting industry is very sponsored, and it's cool to use a bow or, or, you know, follow somebody that's sponsored by an archery company or a broadhead yeah. company, you know, on this podcast, I don't have any pressures from anybody. So I can tell you what I want. Yep, and I'm telling so you nice. the truth. Can tell you. I can tell you. Yep. The, I'm the same way. I, yep. I don't have any allegiance to anyone. So I can tell you right out of this. I think most of the mechanicals are garbage. Yes. Um, as far as you might get so many that work, but there's always that chance one's going to fail. Yep. Exactly. And do you want that one chance to be when you had the bear of your life or the bull or the buck of your life and you, you allow that to happen? And, and it's basically just so you can screw it on after you're done with your field points and be accurate. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fixed blade guy. I learned the Indians did it a million years ago. Yep. They use, they use stone. I don't know why we need to reinvent the wheel. Exactly. Could not agree more. So, yep, could not <laughs> But I probably more. made some people mad with that. So oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get some hate email for that. And that's and that's yeah. fine. Because you know what? What makes me mad, the, this, this really makes me mad, is when folks, because of hunting media, watch shows or watch whatever, and they see bear hunting videos of people shooting bears with bows, in Canada and everything, or, you know, and everything's looking great. And they're like, I'm going to do that too. And then they put minimal practice into their archery equipment. They go and buy the mm-hmm. coolest looking broadhead in the world, you know, that they see at the store and they put it on and it's mechanical or something. And they put it on there and they go out and they're like, I'm going to shoot a bear with this. And they didn't put the time into master the art of archery, you know, and, and let me preface yep. this. I am an archer, archery hunter for sure. I bow hunt for deer every year. I shoot my bow at least twice a week, like lots of arrows. Mm-hmm. I am a very proficient archer. I've been shooting a bow since I was six years old, you know, and so I've got nothing against bows. I am a bow hunter for sure. But that being said, you know, um, even I am like sometimes like if I were, if I were to go and say this year, I'm going to shoot a bear with my bow, I'd be shooting my bow every single day, practicing, practicing, oh, practicing. Yeah. You know, because it is a very big deal to do it. And so what makes me mad is when I see, you know, because I've gone, I mean, I went up to a bear hunting camp in Canada and I watched these people that were about to go out and hunt bear with a bow. I watched them practice and I was like, what are you doing? You can barely hold Mm -hmm. a group at 20 yards. Yeah. You need to, what are you doing? And he's like, yep, already. I'm like, I mean, I didn't say anything. Yeah, and there, it, it, it don't matter what blade or bow or arrow you're shooting at that point. You're not doing any good out no, there. No, no, exactly. And so what? What? That's just something I, I can't stand. And so I don't want. I I I just think that uh, don't put that extra pressure on yourself if you're not competent to. You know, if you don't feel like you're a hundred percent for sure. If you, if you don't know for sure that when you pull back on a bear, that that arrow is going to go exactly where you point that bow, do not go after bears because they are one of the trickiest species yeah. to kill with a bow. I've heard that from yep. some of the most accomplished. I mean, I, I, I know a guy that 
bow hunts for a TV show for a living. And he said he has told me that it is what bears are the hardest things to figure out with a bow because they they turn and you know they they can pivot really weird angles and he has almost oh, yeah. lost so many bears and this is a guy that puts down gigantic white tails every single year and he tells me that bears yeah. are the toughest things to figure out with a bow well and their their vitals are just a different monster oh, than most yeah. things i mean not a lot of people understand the vital situation with those and they're different and so it, it, it's hard anyways and so being proficient with your bow and having good equipment is crucial and, and that's why for me i guess i don't want to i don't want to have a faulty broadhead out there that potentially wounds an animal when i could have put a fixed blade on and and then if i wounded that's on me you know, I, I did something wrong, but you know, if a broadhead fails or something because it's mechanical, that's going to be a frustrating situation Yeah. when you do everything in your power and then you get up there and that broadhead failed the, failed you. That's, that's too bad. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So don't, don't take the risk. Just go with a three blade fix, nope. <laughs> fixed blade. Yeah. So, just do it. Just do it. So, <laughs> all right. I lost enough in the listeners. On to the next question. <laughs> uh, tree stand placement tips. Um, we kind of covered that a little bit earlier, but uh, do you have anything specific? No, I definitely think, you know, in the Midwest and, and kind of on the East Coast, it's not hard to do. But out West here, I find it's a little trickier. You, you definitely don't want to silhouette yourself in the tree. And I see that happen quite a bit with people. Yeah. Um, so put yourself in a good tree where you're going to have backdrop so you can blend in. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, you don't need to be 40 feet in the air or 20 feet in the air even. Now, most of ours are between 12 and 15 feet in the air. It just depends if you're on a hill or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, like I said before, you know, I try and place them so the wind's going to take that scent of me away from the barrel and their bedding ground. Now that's hard to do sometimes, but if I can do anything, I like to have it blowing to the side, you know, and bringing it into an area that I don't expect bears to come. And usually in your bait stand, you're going to have a spot where you're kind of like, I bet they don't come from that way, or that's where the road is down there. or There's a major trail there. That's where I come in. And I typically think, you're going to have to find an area like that, that you're just going to concede to saying, this is probably not where they're going to come. And you want that wind to push into your face, into that area. Yeah. Um, and, and then in, in the summertime or around here out in the West, when you're dealing with um, the, the, uh, oh geez, I'm losing my thermals. train of thought here. The thermals, the thermals. <laughs> so you have thermals at night and in the morning, you definitely want to keep that in consideration too, because you could have a good wind predominantly in there. And then this happens to us a lot. Mm-hmm. So right at dark, the wind will quit blowing. Yeah. And then you have that prevailing thermal maybe coming downhill. Mm-hmm. And that's how I've set up a couple of our stands is for the thermals, not the wind. Yeah. Because when the wind quits blowing, those bears tend to – I've found, too, that when it's really blustery, they're a little more nervous. Mm-hmm. And they tend to not move around as much. And I think it's because they can't – they trust their nose so much they can't pinpoint – sense is good when you got a whirling wind or a wind that's not out of one direction all the time yeah it's a little harder for them to kind of make their game plan on how they're going to come into a barrel or come out into a meadow or something and so i've kind of set it up for the thermals and and you know you might have a whole day where the wind's not great and then that thermal sets up just right and that's when that bears in that area anyways and it works good so watch the thermals um 
and you know give yourself a good enough tree obviously you don't want to do nothing stupid there but i like to have a tree with some limbs and branches and you know we backpack our stands and our ladders and we just got those little ladders that you can carry you know little two footers or whatever so you know sometimes we have to use the branches of the tree to get ourselves up into there with the adding the ladders and stuff so yeah um I prefer if I'm going to sit on bait to sit in a stand to the ground. I just feel like I'm up off the ground and it's not a safety thing. I like my scent to be away from the ground. Yeah. And so I, I prefer it. You know, I've tried sitting in blinds. I've tried sitting in dang, uh, homemade blinds. If I, if I have my druthers, I'd sit in a tree just cause my scent is not as close to the ground as them. And there's a hope that it'd carry up and out. Yeah. Yep. Cause that definitely does happen, especially, you know, and it depends on kind of what the, the air is naturally doing whether it rises or scent rises or drops or whatever but yep that's something that a lot of yeah. people don't don't take into account is you know they think that the wind's just blowing one direction or whatever but you're you know the your scent kind of sort of flows like a river so you got to really watch what's going on with your scent that's for sure so you do and and honestly that's that's everything in bear hunting yeah i, oh, I don't yeah. care who took whether you smell bad or good they have to be comfortable with it and it don't matter if you're scent free right but if they're used to that guy that baits that barrel that smokes a cigarette every time he goes in and baits and then when he sits in the stand he smokes a cigarette if they're comfortable with him they'll come in oh yeah exactly so it's not a scent that's bad to them it's just something that they're not used to and then if you if you're not in your bait all the time and you're trying to hunt it you better be sent like dialed in yep exactly exactly and that's tricky. You got to do that right. So yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. tricky stuff. But um, yeah, so you know, with me, like, um, it's I mean, pretty much the same stuff as you. I try to. I mean, wind is crucial. You know, you got to have the right wind. If you don't have the right wind, don't hunt the bait. You know, um, no. you know, and if you can put a block between you and you know because because the big bears especially they will circle the bait sometimes you know it all depends absolutely you know so if you can put a block in there that's great um you know there's that um i like to have a backdrop too sometimes i will put up i've even put up like cami netting around my my tree stand and that way you know if i'm sitting in there especially if you're if you don't have a good backdrop or whatever, at least the bears will go, okay, you know, there's something up there and they figure out it's okay. But then if you get up there, you, they can't really tell if there's something in there. So that definitely can help a little bit. Um, I still prefer a backdrop though, but uh, there's that, um, you know, since I rifle hunt a lot, I try to get as far away from the bait as I can, but that's not always feasible, you know, um, no. And getting far away from the bait can really make up for a lot of, uh, you know, scent. scent. So, so especially yep. if you're bow hunting or in bow range, you got it. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Just, you know, bears are pretty forgiving in terms of seeing you and stuff. But if they smell you, it is over. It's over. So that's one the thing, thing too that I I should probably say. To, one thing that I've learned also is. So when you mentioned that them bears will circle like that, and mm-hmm. one thing I've found that those bigger boars have a tendency to do that. And yeah. most of the time, I think the sportsman doesn't know that's happening. Yeah. Um, they don't even know that the bear is circling. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can put your stand to the point that when that bear does circle, he can't necessarily go behind you because it's an area he doesn't want to go. Yeah. Yep. So 
if you can get your edge, you don't have to be on the edge of a field or a clearing or something or a natural obstruction, but if you're as close enough to, you, to it as you can, it's going to prevent that bear from going all the way around you in a loop and making him come in front of you to try and wind potentially or coming close to underneath you rather than making a big loop and not seeing him. Um, happened to me two times this year, and, and we've killed bears out of that bait multiple times, and I just got a really smart one. He's been there a few years, mm-hmm. and he knows the drill. He knows yeah. the drill. He yeah. knows when I'm in there, I think, and he's, you know, those big bears are just smart. Yeah. I've tried everything, and we've tried everything to get him, and this year I thought I had him twice, and I heard him. Mm-hmm. And that's how I knew he was circling behind me. And I, he had not done that in the years prior that I had ever known. Yeah. But both times he did it this year, he grunted a bunch of times and was woofing and I could hear him behind me Yeah. get out of the stand at dark and you're walking out and you see his tracks. And you're like, I'm close to the edge, but not as close as I should be yeah. to keep that bear from doing that. But he just made a loop behind me every time and good wind, you know, winds in my face, but he can make a loop mm-hmm. behind me and, and try and get in the wind and, and so it's, you know, had you had that on the edge of a field, it might have prevented him from making that entire loop. And mm-hmm. he might have tried and cut in front of your stand to make his loop rather than go behind your stand. Yeah. And so that's, a, that's something that you can always try and look for, too, is put it on the edge of something. Because those big bears are not going to walk out in the open. No. If they don't have to. No, no, especially the big bears. They'll cut along the edge of the tree line, but they won't make a big circle out in the middle of a damn clearing at least out here no no now maybe in canada that's different or something like that but you know yeah but in canada the rules are a little different too if you're hunting in the remote northern alberta or something uh, you know what i mean there's more bears than people (laughs) yeah they barely know what a people is so it's a little different (laughs) so but cool good stuff all right last question here we are what is your favorite bear recipe? Huh. So that's a good one. Is it you or me? I think this one's me. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm yeah, I'll right. let you go. You're probably better versed, more well versed in this. You got better tasting bears out there, I'm sure. Oh, I don't know about that. Bears are tasty. Everywhere, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> Ours are fine. Ours are fine. Yeah. Right. We also get a lot of good deer and elk to eat too, so it's yeah, not as exactly. it's not a... as up there on the on the <laughs> menu as as it would be in you know out east. I've seen bear is like, man, that's people prefer that to most anything, and and we're pretty lucky out here that we have that elk and and a lot of deer. So you know, once you eat elk meat, it's really hard to pick anything above that. <laughs> yep. So yep. yeah, I, I gotta say that first, but <laughs> I do have some good bear recipes, and I, I do enjoy bear meat. So oh yeah, yep. Yeah, you know, it's funny because there, there's people around here, you know, and we live in a, I live in an area where bear hunting is pretty common. You know, everybody knows that you can hunt bears and all that. And um, you get some people that know that bear is the best meat in the woods, and you get people that mm-hmm. uh, don't even know if they either don't want to eat bear or they don't know that bear, you can even eat bear, you know. And so yep. it's funny. So even around here, you get a lot of, uh, so, but yeah, I would say, especially around here, I mean, we get a, we can have, a pile of venison if we want you know white-tailed deer venison yeah and so that's real good but um the uh sorry about that um but yeah with bear it's just good um so especially a fall bear that's been feeding on berries and acorns it's just good stuff Mm -hmm. so but my favorite bear recipe that's tough because i could i changed my mind about it a lot (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but 
I would say, oh, probably. I'm gonna have to pick. Two. I gotta pick two. I can't. I can't just pick one. I'm gonna pick two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my first favorite is a smoked bear ham. So it's not my recipe. Mm-hmm. It's just a recipe that I have. Um, I think I got off either off the Cambella's website or something like that. It's really simple. You just get you know your your tender, quick curing salt. Um, I think this one, the one I use, you put you put brown sugar in there and honey, and some pickling spices, and I think that's it. I can't remember, but anyway, you basically it's one of those recipes that you can pull right off like Cabela's website or something, mm-hmm. and that's all I do, and I brine it for like you know maybe a week, and I flip it every day and inject the snot out of it. I, I get a big meat marinator and just inject it with as much mm-hmm. brine as I can. I just fill that thing up, and then I smoke it until it's the right temperature. And um, man, that is good. <laughs> that is just it is so. It good. sounds like it. I've I've never tried one, but I've oh, been wanting man. to do something like that for they, a long time. Um. It's hard to tell the difference between that and like a Hillshire ham or something. It's, I mean, you can tell. Well, anything, any kind of smoked meat is glorious. Oh, I don't care what it is. The yeah. smoked is good. You, you got some smoke it. flavor and a good brine. It's, it's, it's good. Yeah, you got to try the smoked bear ham. It is, and it seems like a big, like, it's hard to commit that much bear meat to a smoked ham because you're like, wow, yeah. this back ham, that's a lot of meat that you know could be ground up or turned to steaks mm-hmm. or burgers or whatever, but. Also, it is good. It's at least worth taking one of the back hams and saving it for the smoke. Yeah. It is good. Oh, for sure. Oh, man. I, and, I mean, <laughs> I've fed it to quite a few people now, and they're just like, wow, that is good. And so. Yeah. Oh, so that's, that's probably, I mean, I, I can sit there and eat that for like two weeks straight. <laughs> <laughs> but, so that's probably my first favorite. That, that's definitely my first favorite. My second favorite's just a st- just a straight like bear braise so either i'll get like the shanks or um like a shoulder roast the shoulder roast is the best and i'll cut the so let's just do a shoulder roast so i'll take a shoulder roast i'll cut it in half so there's some bone marrow that'll come out and um i will take rendered down bear oil and i'll sear the the bear in there and then I will uh-huh. take like a stout beer and I'll throw in a crock pot and I'll put the uh, yeah. the bear shoulder in there with some onions, garlic or whatever. And then basically I'll braise it in that beer for hours until it's like fork tender, you know. And eventually I'll yeah. throw in some uh, potatoes and carrots and I'll even right at the very end, because you can't cook it for too long, but if you put it right into the very last like 20 minutes, this is great. I'll throw some apple in there, some like Granny Smith apples. That are like meant for cooking. Oh, yeah. And that adds like a nice, like, uh, like sweet, like tart taste. And, uh, and so I put that in there and, and with the, the fall off the bone, you know, barrels like that, that is so good too. Oh, man. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Oh, that is so good. (laughs) So, those, and that's why I'm like, those two bear recipes are like, wow. I, it's hard to beat that. (laughs) It's true. And, I, it's kind of one thing with bears that I find out here is people take them for granted that they don't eat them. And, and in Wyoming, you're not required to take them out of the field, which I think is just terrible. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But we don't te- test for trichinosis in the state. And so it's, 
it's a whole long thing, but we always encourage people to take them because I think once you try them and, and definitely bear meat is, is probably one of those meats that takes a little more prep, um, Mm -hmm. than cutting your back strap off your deer or your elk and, and going to town. And, And there are pieces of bear and there are times when it can be good, but you know, what I find that I love to do is take like, you know, we butcher all our own meat, same as you guys. And, and yeah. I like to take like big chunks of roast meat off the hind, off the hinds or, you know, um, I've even done it with back straps on some things, but bear is really good to do it with. And I, I like to just basically make pulled barbecued bear, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's similar to like a pulled pork where you can make it in the sandwiches, but it's bear. And I, I just do it in the crock pot yeah. with, um, you know, you cut it, cut it up, cut a bunch of onions and get a good sized roast. Mm-hmm. because wild game's so tough man it can dry out so dang fast but if yeah. you can get a good size roast obviously a fall one would be better just because you're gonna have more fat content but yeah a, a good size roast with some onions and i like to put jalapenos in there you know diced up and then i just basically you know like some tomato sauce some barbecue sauce and i kind of just make like a nice uh base for it to sit in and then just cook it for like four to six hours Mm-hmm. on low in a crock pot and just let it kind of get those juices in there and then about the same as your your braised bears when you can kind of pull that apart with the fork i like to pull it apart and shred it and just kind of let it sit in that juice for a little bit longer and then yeah. you know you got like uh you can eat on that forever you can make tacos you can make um sandwiches put it on a salad like you can eat on a pile of that for a long time yeah. and so i i tend to like that even with a lot of wild game i do that just because it's you can eat it for so long, but yeah. definitely pepperoni sticks, salami, and jerky are like my go-to. Um, and I usually do my own meat, but there's a guy in town that makes awesome bear salami and pepperoni sticks. And so we bring it to him and most of the people that try it don't even know the dang difference. They don't even oh, know if yeah. it's beef or bear or not. And it is fantastic. And so we get, we always do a big chunk of that with our bears. And then, you know, the rest will steak and roast and, and just try and find creative ways to cook it, you know, and, throw it on a Traeger with some bacon around it and, and, yep. and, you know, you got a good back strap or something like that and slow cook it. And man, it's perfect. Yep. Yep. And that's the other thing too. Bear makes just excellent sausage. If you get like a ratio yep. like 70% bear to like 30% pork it's just like, yeah, it's so wow. good. Wow. I mean, there is that's like, for dang man, sure. Oh, so good. So good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> so one thing too, uh, so it's not my favorite bear recipe, but you brought it up and I haven't really talked about it all. It's bear steaks, right? So yeah, you hear really, I've heard people say bear steaks are the, the best thing they've ever eaten. And some people are like, yeah, I don't really like bear steaks, right? So what I've found with bear steaks, the first thing is you got to cook it you know, well because it's, you know, you don't want to get trichinosis. And so you, you definitely want to cook it yeah. all the way through and that's key, but if you babysit it and you just cook it to just well, you don't like, you know, burn it, right? Or when you burn game, yep. you dry it out and make it horrible, right? <clears throat> but with, with bear steaks, like, I mean, I definitely eat bear back straps, but I like to do it like, I oh, try yeah. to eat those up as quick as I can because I found that the longer than the freezer, the worse they get. But if you get, if you yeah. eat those up within the first like month or two of, of shooting the bear, and you cook it, you know, you watch it, you cook it just right to well, and then you pull it off the grill, and they are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just about processing, too, and how well you take care of your game. And, yeah. And um, I think you can do, 
you know, if you don't like the steaks, you know, like just fried up or grilled up, you know, we make finger steaks all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you can kind of bread it and fry it and then you, the kids love you dunk it and ketchup or barbecue sauce or oh, yeah. ranch, whatever. And yeah. you know, that stuff is all good. So like when people say they don't like it, it's like, well, if you tried to do it with so many different ways that yeah. there's not a way that you can, you know, so it's, it's always very well encouraged to, we always tell people, man, take it out give it to us. If you can't, we'll find someone that can take it, you know, cause we hate to see, you know, it become a hide hunter sport where out West it's probably a little bit more than it is in the Midwest and the East is people are a little more focused on the hide than the meat mm-hmm. um, out here, I think. And so we're trying to kind of just get more people to pay attention to the meat and, yeah. and break that stigma. And, 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 you know, you are going to get times where that thing's been rolling in a carcass and it stinks and, you know, th- that's a good sausage bear. Exactly. You know, you exactly. still get sausage made and jerky made and stuff oh, like yeah. that. But, you know, if you get a great fall bear, you can render down that fat and cook the meat in its own fat. Oh, I mean, yeah. then you're basically completely doing everything off of one, one, one kill. Yeah. You know, you don't even have to go get Crisco at the store. You use that bear's <laughs> own fat. It's sweet for yep. meat and berries. Yep. And you put that sweeter meat in there and you fry it in that. I mean, that's, oh, that's amazing. It, it is amazing. It really is good. So yeah, I uh, can't agree more. I'm hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Oh man. Well, on the hungry note, we're out of questions yeah. and we've been going for a while. So, uh, should probably wrap this no, up. No, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah, great. Yeah, we covered sure. a lot of good stuff. I can always, uh, a little bit here. <laughs> I can always answer more questions or if someone wants to fire away at me. You can tell them how to get a hold of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and the links to Joe's, all Joe's stuff will be in the description of the podcast as always. So, uh, and Awesome. If you got questions for me, obviously you can reach me on Facebook, Instagram, or uh, bearhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, so um, fire away more questions. Well, thanks we'll for having me on again, Matt. And uh, yeah. I really appreciate what you're doing, brought, oh. bringing a lot of light to bear hunting and giving us all a kind of a venue to 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 have and, and experience bear hunting all together. So it's pretty awesome, man. I appreciate you having me on again. Oh, yeah, no problem. Well, thanks for coming on. So definitely a fun guest to have on so (laughs) so cool (laughs) all right folks well we'll sign out then have a great night see ya